Dragged along for the ride on this Thursday installment of the program, live from the 37th Jacksonville International Auto Show here at Prime Osborne Convention Center. Glad you're with us, Frangie and Carlion and Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson with you. And uh, uh, what a neat event this is. I'm not a car guy, but I sure know a lot of them. And I can tell you it's a cool deal for a lot of folks who are excited about that. I took a sneak peek at some of those rides out there. Did you? Yeah, they're awesome. Well, there's a lot of good friends here, too. Yeah. We've got uh, the cat is right, right cats down around. here. Cats yeah. in the neighborhood. Cats, cats around. And, uh, yeah. yeah, all of our uh, good friends at Airstream are here. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool seeing everybody. It really it really is cool. And it, the, the, the auto show is a, the international auto show here. It's the 37th one. And it's a big deal. And, and, and certainly people that love automobiles and learning about automobiles and car shows, uh, which are everywhere, uh, it's a big deal to them. So we're glad to be part of it and to tell you about it and tell you what's going on all weekend long. Uh, my friend Alan Verlander from Airstream Ventures uh, is certainly a par- partnered with this group, and uh, he's going to spend some time with us at about 3.40 telling you all about the auto show and what it means. So it's good to have him with us come today on the program. You okay, I walked around the whole building just yeah. for fun. Yeah, I know you did. I and, saw that. Uh, I Yellow. saw that there is a line of yeah. people waiting to get waiting in, to get in at 3 o'clock. Yeah. So uh, we will start to see people start milling about here shortly. It just opened now. It starts at 3 o'clock. They've got the uh, ladies' night tonight. That's it, right. It's a fantastic setting. Oh, yeah, the, the people are going to be all milling throughout here in just a moment, uh, all kind of different rides. And uh, we're sort of in a little bit of the commercial area. We'll tell you about some of our friends. Our friends from Renewal by Anderson, one of the great clients at our radio station, is here as well. So we got all kind of fun stuff coming up today on the uh, program. So glad you're with us on this uh, Thursday. Uh, always as And as always, our Thursday is brought to you by Stanley Pools, the best pool company in town. And they have been since 1988. So a lot of stuff to do today on the program. Again, we'll talk about the car show. We'll tell you what that means. Alan will kind of give you a look back at it coming up in just a bit. In the meantime, uh, a lot of things to get to today on the program. Man, at bu- Gibby, I am bummed out. I guess we're getting to the age, I'm getting to the age, that many people that – Franco Harris died not long ago. He was 72. Uh, other Others – People that I've followed in in sports, in music, in acting, uh, Gibby. I just now saw. I don't know when it was posted, but I just now saw that Tim McCarver died today at the age of eighty-one. Yeah, that one jarred me a little bit. I saw the ESPN notification was probably like fifteen minutes ago or so, and yeah. uh, okay. man, I can't believe that. I know he was a terrific catcher as a player. He was a great broadcaster. Uh, for so many years, calling the World Series with Joe Buck. Uh, I, I grew up listening years. to and watching Joe Buck and Tim McCarver. That was the team uh, for the World Series on Fox. I'm wondering if he even called it with Jack Buck. He was a Cardinals guy. He probably did. I, I'll, bet he, I'll bet he worked with Jack Buck before he worked with Joe Buck, which is really a cool thing. Hayes, any remembrance of Tim McCarver? Certainly the broadcaster for you, right? Absolutely, the broadcaster, uh, and he was uh, he was good. And why I say he was good, he was controversial. Yeah. I mean, Tim McCarver would call it like he saw it. Uh, he certainly had uh, people that that he didn't like that didn't like him. And uh, but I think that's I think that's good. You know, right. I think that's it's good to have guys like that, analysts like that, who you know just you know don't gush over everything and everybody that they see. And and I thought Tim McCarver, there were times. That I didn't like what he said, right? Uh, you know, and and I can't speak to specifics, but just growing up a Braves fan, right? You know, there were times where well, the Dion incident is the one everybody. Well, knows. that I thought uh, that reflected poorly on Dion. No I question. Thought. No uh, question. So I I was sympathetic to McCarver on that, but but some of the opinions he'd have on on players I liked, I didn't always agree with. But again, that he was a good analyst. You knew exactly where he stood on everything. Yeah. Any remembrance of Tim McCarver for you? Not much. 
Yeah, he uh, the the what he I know the name. Well, well, unfortunately, what he was known for at the end was the run in. He he had been critical of some of the Braves and of Dion, and when they won in the in the post game clubhouse, Dion threw a bucket of ice water on him. Dion, for his part in it, was trying to be funny, not trying to be as much of a jerk as it turned out that he was. McCarver was pissed. McCarver's the real classy Dion. We're trying to do an interview, really, and that was all on air, so we all saw it. So. He was remembered for that, and he was criticized at the end of his career for the game having passed him by, and that's why they moved on from him. But I was a fan. I was a fan. I remember him when I was a little kid. I remember him as a player. I can remember that 67 and 68 Cardinals team that beat the Red Sox one year and lost to the Tigers the next with Bob Gibson and Mike Shannon and uh, Joe Torre and all those. I mean, I remember that team, Julian Javier, Dal Maxwell, Lou Brock, uh, Kurt Flood. I remember that team because, you know, you as a sports fan, even though I wasn't a Cardinals fan, you remember the first team you ever watched when you noticed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When you noticed sports. I, I told you the first, the first game I ever watched was the Dodgers and the Cardinals playing on, you know, on my black and white television. And the first game my dad and I ever watched. I, I can remember watching it. So, and I think Tim McCarver, I'm assuming, was probably in that game. Yeah, I read that. <clears throat> excuse me. I read that he and his wife have been married for 58 years, which I think is just an amazing accomplishment. And so – yeah, it, it, honestly, the one that's jarred me the most recently, you mentioned all over the, the globe kind of thing, is Christine McVie. Yeah, you know that's the one for Good, me great that call. has great like call. just, I can't believe I don't get to hear Christine McVie from Fleetwood Maxing again. That's a great call. That, I mean, it just seems like, golly. And, and I don't sense that it's, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't sense that it's, it's COVID stuff as mm-hmm. much as it's just the older we get. Just life. Right. The yeah. people we have followed get older. You know, right. I mean, I mean, everybody you follow. I mean, look, I'm I'm 64, so everybody I followed is a is a singer or, or or an athlete or whoever. They're always 10, 15 years older than you. When you start, even when you, when you're 14 or 15, following, right. they're 25 to 30. So now, if I'm 64, they're 80. Right. You know, and I did, but it just uh, I don't kind of hit me hard today. I just I, I don't know why it did. I, he just always he never seemed old, did he? Even when you didn't like McCarver, he never seemed like an old guy. No, like I to mean, me. he was he was, seemed like he was in good shape. Yeah, and, you know, was one of those guys that could get out there and. And give you a couple innings, yeah, you know, yeah. if he had to yeah. know, get behind the plate. He squat down still. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, anyway, Tim McCarver. Uh, going, Tim McCarver, and I remember him. He played for the Phillies at the end, caught, catching Carlton. But I remember him more as a Cardinal. So, Tim McCarver dead at the age of 81. A lot of things to get to today. I think uh, Tony Pauline's comments with Mike today on Anthony Richardson are really interesting. I, it, it brings a whole uh, a lot of thoughts uh, to me, particularly something you said earlier, uh, Lauren, in the show. So I'm going to get to that coming up in a little bit uh, as well. We're going to talk some recruiting today. Talk a little bit of football as we kind of look forward. Um, baseball changes. Gibby, I want to talk about kind of some of the specifics. There, they've now reported. Um, have you seen all the pictures of the bases? Are those photoshopped? The one with all the pictures on Twitter, the base. Gibby, you've seen these? Yeah, I, I think some people are having fun with it um, to, to see how. You know how much it can look like an optical illusion. I guess. Have you seen it? I have. These, these, yeah. Have you, they're bigger. Yeah. Well, they're bigger, but Gibby give, give knows what I'm talking about. They're they, cartoonishly. The, bigger. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. are. But they're the. But they're not. They're not that right. Give those. No. Are, those are photoshopped, right? A lot of them are. I think it's uh, like two inches on on each side. Is is how how much bigger it is. And nice. the, I was actually having a conversation with with okay. somebody earlier today. The edge is now going to go to the base runner because if you think about right. how close plays are or have been at second base, speaking of spe- second base when you're stealing, well, now right. it's going to be two inches to the batter or to the yeah, runner. Right. And so the the edge is going to go to, to – and that's what they want. They want more stolen yeah. bases. They want more action on the base paths. Yeah, and, and, and not only that, I, I, I agree with that, 
But you know the big part is that they did that so you could still be more stolen bases. But, Gibby, you know the other part? I think how many guys slide past the base, right? Yeah, that's in, right. In, in that you slide past the base and they just they, they, you're now taught to keep the tag on. By the way, I would change that rule. If you steal a base and you get there, I'd let you slide past it just like you could run past first. Give me if I lost my mind on that. Think about it for a second before you answer. Okay. So if you steal the base, if you steal second, once you're there, you've beat the throw. I think you should be able to slide past it, just like you could run past first. Crazy, right? Yeah, because most of the time, in fact, all the time, whenever you slide past it, the guy's going to tag you out when you have, right. if they have the ball. Yeah, yeah I a, don't know. I don't know. I'd have to. It's crazy. It's 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 a bizarre. I, I get it. It's it's. It's out of the box, but I. I but it I would lead to more stolen bases, which would, is a good thing. Yeah, I think no, you're we, right. we need more. So, so we'll, so we'll see. All right, we've got a lot of things to talk about today on the program. I want to get into the Anthony Richardson stuff. I find that very interesting. We're going to talk a little bit. About, i got a thought about recruiting. I'll get to that coming up a little bit as well. Uh, college basketball, what a blow for the Gators. Not, uh, not that they were headed anywhere, and it's not. And I think Colin, I don't know if Colin Castleton's going to play in the NBA or be a very good player at the NBA, but it's not going to hurt him. His work's done. You know what I mean? Don't you sense? Mm-hmm. I, th- I think his work's done in terms of being an NBA player at some point. So, so we'll see what winds up happening. But uh, we'll certainly get into that coming up a little bit on the program today. I do want to remind you, we're at the Jacksonville uh, Auto Show, the International Auto Show, the 37th annual one. They do a terrific job here. Uh, Lauren, you just said the doors are about to open and the people are about to crash yeah, people, through. Huh? People are now starting to walk around. And I read that electric vehicles are kind of the big thing at this auto show. So it'll be interesting to see you know, what people are kind of looking at as far as the new EVs. So if I am gone on the break, it's because I'm driving around. Did you say EV because you know that's what they call it now, or did you see the Kevin Bacon commercial? No, I know that's what they did call it. Did you know it even before the Kevin yeah, Bacon? Yeah, of course. Did you know it before the, Evan Bacon, before the Kevin Bacon commercial? I did not. Okay, I did not either. <laughs> so there's that. A lot to talk about. Glad you're with us. Uh, Stanley Pools Thursday and Old Rock Thursday as well. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's an Old Rock Thursday. Music the way it should be, or at least used to be, on The Frangie Show. You know, it's a car show, right, Carline? <laughs> you are yeah. crafty. Great band. Great band. All right, now, is this a debut? No, no. They've, no, they've yeah. had it before? Okay. Turn that up, Will Gibb. I, um, I went out with a girl before I met Suzanne, obviously. <laughs> I guess that kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? Um, not, not just the girl I dated for a real long time, but just someone... That I dated in between the girl I dated for a real long time and met my wife. Is this the girl you left at the Georgia game? It, no, no. That was a one-timer. <laughs> this was later in life. And this girl I went out with was more obsessed with Rick Ocasek really? than, than life itself. Yeah, I mean, I, mean more, I didn't know you dated Paulina Poroskova. <laughs> more, more, more obsessed with Rick Ocasek. I mean, just, I mean, posters, everything. Every conversation. I'm not bad. Yeah, so, so there was that. So, but today, we're at the car show. So who better than the Cars? You kidding? Well done. Great band, by the way. You Great band. Really yeah. good. Now, I, I love the selection, but I'm going to ask you this. <laughs> okay. Would you consider this their anthem? You know, I don't know them well enough to know. It's the song I know the best. Okay. I, it was really you probably popular. know better than I do because just an 80s band. You're not a big 80s person. That would Lauren. be correct. But, yeah. but you know, that was a video era. So It was. But and I, they to fully me, embraced it. Well, let's listen to all of them. Yeah. See, and then, and then at the end of the day, we'll see if I got the right ones and okay. the right one. And this may have been their biggest hit. It's the one I it, know it them by. It may have been the, their biggest Drive hit. is what I know them by the most. Okay. It, it's the one I it, – that, that's for me. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm far from an expert on them. But that's yeah. the one. But you, you'll, that's interesting. But they have a lot of good stuff now. They do. I mean, they, they, throughout the 80s, they were uh, – so uh, the, the cars today 
from the car show. They, uh, Drive I'll, is their most downloaded song on Spotify, or yeah, most listened yeah, to song yeah, on Spotify, yeah. I should that, say. To me, that's their anthem. And they uh, they uh, play a big role in one of the most uh, amazing scenes on film ever created in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Absolutely, they do. Absolutely. Great scene, great role. That's exactly right. They have to hear exactly. But anyway, so the cars today on Old Rock Thursday um, as we are here from the auto show. So there's that. Um Colin Castleton broke his hand out for the year. I, I will tell you this. It, uh, if that had to happen, if Colin Castleton had to be out for the year, I will tell you, I want to say this the right way. It happened in an okay time. Now, now hear me out. You never want to see a really good player and a good kid and a good leader get hurt. You never, ever want to see that. Ever, ever, ever. But, A, I don't think the team's going anywhere. I think he could have finished up. I don't think they're going to the tournament. Yeah, if they went out, they are. But I don't think they're. I don't think they were winning out even with Colin Castle. No that chance. It. I don't think they were winning out. That's a. Secondly, um, he's his work is done. I don't know where what the NBA folks think about him, but whatever they think, there's not much he was going to do to change it. Other than had they gone to the tournament, he dominated the tournament. But I don't think they were going. So his his work is done. His resume is complete in my mind. He and he ended on a really good run. I mean, he was on a good run. I mean, he was so. I think he's okay. Thirdly, if they're not going anywhere, and he had to break his hand, I'd rather be earlier for his sake, so there's more time to get it better. I mean, the bottom line is he probably will be okay by May or June, when all the tryout camps happen. He just wasn't going to be okay to play in the season because the season ends in March. So if it had to happen, and it happened. For the Gators weren't going anywhere, in my opinion. And Colin now, his, his the hay is in the barn as far as his work. And C, uh, it gives him a chance, I think, to get to some of those tryout camps that he would not have been in if he'd have gotten hurt a month later. I guess that's my take on all of it. I, I feel bad for Colin Castleton that he won't be able to play on senior night for the Gators. And that's a good point. Uh, I didn't think about that part. But, but other than that, I actually think this is probably a positive because they weren't going to the NCAA tournament with Colin Castleton, and now Todd Golden can almost treat the rest of this as almost an unofficial spring practice. I know we don't get that in basketball, but just use it now as a complete evaluation tool for next year's team and who should come back and who shouldn't. And it gives Todd Golden the yeah, but when people say, well, he didn't make the tournament right. in his first year, they were close enough to making it that he's going to be able to say and, and his supporters are going to be able to say, well, yeah, but he lost Castleton and didn't have him for the final six games, and who knows if they could have gotten hot. Uh, I mean, I'll never be able to say without a shadow of a doubt that Florida wasn't making the NCAA tournament. I just don't believe a team that's barely over 500 was going to win their last six to get in. Uh, you know, that, that doesn't mean it's impossible, but it seems incredibly unlikely to me. Um now I think you evaluate it, and uh, you're going to play differently. So, I mean, it's going to test his coaching acumen for sure. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can catch somebody uh, off guard. You know, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to lose out. I mean, I, I don't – Colin Calston's obviously their best player by a mile, but I don't get the sense that the team all of a sudden is going to lose every game by 20. I, I think they're going to – it's going to be a challenge, but I think they're going to – find ways to be competitive and and I honestly I don't think it'll be like the team falls off a cliff I think they'll kind of be what they've been which is up and down 
Uh, they may lose one game that, you know, they would have won with him. Uh, and, again, it's not to slight him. I just think that uh, – I just think they'll – this is the kind of thing where when this happens, a team is viewed universally and all their opponents will say they don't have their best player. All we got to do is roll the ball out tonight and we'll win. And I bet you Florida responds pretty well. I don't know how many teams have the leading scorer as also the leading rebounder and also the leading shot blocker. Like for Florida, obviously, that's the massive dagger. Usually teams, that, that's spread around right. amongst a couple different players because you've got the shooting guard who's the best scorer. Then you've got the inside guy, one of the inside guys who's the better rebounder and the better shot blocker. Obviously, all that wrapped up into one. It, it's a massive loss. I do find it ironic that in last night's game, Florida all of a sudden started shooting. And so they were able to minimize the loss of Castleton, and we weren't sure, obviously, at that point in time how bad it was, although I think once you got the report that he left the arena yeah. that you knew it, it was somewhat severe. But now all of a sudden they, start, they started making their shots, and I know it's against Ole Miss, but still, like now you're going to – what if all of a sudden that was the team that, that was about to emerge for the rest of the regular season and for the, NC, or the SEC tournament and then potentially the NCAA tournament? What if all of a sudden they had figured it out? I guess that's the one thing that I'll kind of hang my yeah. sadness on. I get that. I think 26 games in, you are who you are. And, and, and I think they – You're probably I, right. I, I don't think they were headed anywhere. But, but, but again, um, he will play some other guys now. Now, I will tell you this. Had they won on Saturday and then won convincingly Ugh. last night and were 15-11 and 11 and 8-5 and – and, and and me thinking, okay, here they come, and then you found, then you lose mm-hmm. him. That it, 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 it sounds crazy to say, but because of one loss on Saturday to Vanderbilt, I'm way less devastated by this loss of Castleton. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because uh, I don't think they're ahead the of the season. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. NCAA yeah. tournament you, is basically over. You made a good point during the break about um, the losses the basketball programs had in the last seven, eight years. It's, you went through them. Yeah, it's remarkable. I mean, the bad luck that the basketball teams had, you lose John Egbunu. I had forgotten about that till I read till I read that story. I had totally, forgot, I had totally forgotten about it. Yeah, I mean, he was an unbelievable inside scorer, uh, rebounder, uh, tough defender, great role player that had some star ability. You lose him uh, early in that season uh, with a torn ACL. Uh, obviously, you have the SEC Player of the Year in the preseason, Keontae Johnson, collapsed on the court uh, in one of your, you know, one of your seasons that basically derails that year, and now you lose Castleton, uh, head and shoulders, uh, not just the most important player on this team, one of the best games yeah. uh, in terms of what his his contributions have been, and so to have three significant injuries like that. And basically, I'd say a six-year window. It's uh, it, it's incredible. It's it's unbelievable the bad luck that the the men's basketball team has had in terms of injuries. Yeah, and, and I'd forgotten about the Igbunu until Chris Harry had it in his story. But in 2017, John Igbunu, who was a shot blocker and a rebounder and a very good college player, a transfer from USF, I think, mm-hmm. was 6'11", 250, and could jump out of the gym. I remember we saw him when they played UNF in the mm-hmm. NIT there for a really good player. And even without him, clearly their center. Uh, even without him, that team in 17 went to the Elite Eight, and if not for Dwayne Notice's 74-step <laughs> layup, that uh, they would have been in the Final Four, in the Final Four even without him. Then a few years later, they lose Keontae, and I think that team was headed for really good things. And then he's gone, and now this team loses Colin Castleton. I mean, I'm, look, I know injuries happen and stuff happens, but that's re- that's a real 
unusual trifecta of power forwards and centers in a six-year stretch, if you think about it. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, in basketball, you might lose a guy for a couple games when they're dealing with certain things, but you don't usually lose them for the entire season unless it's a, maybe an ACL. None of these were well, maybe a Gunu uh, was a knee. But other than that, it, it does feel like they're just, you know, a program that right now has a, a dark cloud hanging over yeah. it and they need to maybe, you know, do something about it. I, as far as Castleton goes, other than my pie in the sky, maybe the Gators were figuring out how to shoot. Are we sure that his hand being completely like wrapped up and him shooting with that, it may, it maybe even with a cast on, is that he can't worse play. than wait, and is worse, yeah, than yeah. him not playing. Yeah, all all I know is I kept reading likely out for the season, likely out. I, I don't think anybody definitively said. I don't think you don't know how someone's going to heal. I think if he if this happened three weeks later, he was out for the season. I think if it happened three weeks earlier, they'd say he'd be back by the tournament. But because it happened right now, you get the likely. Don't you think? Yeah, I mean, look, if he misses 17 days, that's basically it. Yeah. And it's a broken hand. you got to feel like there's going to be significant swelling for yeah. at least a week, I would think. so. And, and his, this is a guy that handles the ball a lot. The offense goes through him. Yeah. He brings the ball up sometimes. I mean, there's very few offensive touches, unless they're in transition. There's very few offensive touches that he's not involved in. I mean, yeah. I mean catching the ball. and that's I can't imagine he's yeah. going to play. Yeah, I can't. He's, very, uh, he's a handsy player. Chitobo so. better start. Being yeah. prepared for a lot more minutes. Yeah, but I don't think you're going to see he'll he'll be your starting center and he'll play more minutes than he ever has. But but Jason Jatobo, what could he possibly play? 18 minutes? I mean, realistically, it, it, from a conditioning standpoint, yeah, I, I don't think he. I don't. I don't get the impression he's a guy. I'm not knocking him. Just my read on him. So you're going to go. You're going to go smaller than small. You're going to go. You're going to probably play. Try to play as faster than you've ever played. You're going to get shots up. But but it's a season that you know. I, I'm not sure it's headed to the NIT now. We'll see. It's going to be a tough go without him. Very may – well, may not. They may yeah. finish with a losing record. Yeah, and you got to have a winning record to get into the NIT. So so we'll see what ha- winds up happening. Final thought on it. Does Colin Castleton play in the National Basketball Association? I'm a bad judge of that because I just simply don't care about yeah. the NBA and, and, how, and what they, how they view prospects. I would not think so. But, you know, I also wouldn't have imagined Matt Bonner Correct. having a – 15-year career in the NBA. So I would say no, but I would say no with the caveat of, honestly, I, I, I don't know exactly what they're, how deep the draft class is, things like that. But he's a great player. He's a great gator. I don't see him as an NBA player. He has to be able to shoot the three to play at the next level. And I know that's what he worked on all last year in the offseason, and I'm sure that's what he'll work on once his hand is healed. I just don't know the answer to whether or not he's going to be able to make those consistently. Yeah, I think you. I think you hit it. I. He tried. He's worked at yeah. it. He still doesn't ever make them. He make. He's made one in his career, I think. Um, and I think you guys both hit it. If you look at the players, Bonner's a great example. If you look at the players, the big men at Florida, that you didn't expect, and then whether it's Matt Bonner or Maurice Spates or Dorian Finney-Smith or even Chandler Parsons, the guys that went, the guys that we watched closely at Florida that went on to be better pros than we would have expected. I just listed four. There's probably more. You know what they all could do? They could shoot it. Matt Bonner could really shoot it. And they, all those guys were big guys who could shoot it. And, this, and particularly a guy like him who's not big and bulky and is going to dominate in the interior. Even those guys have to shoot it now. David but Lee could shoot it, couldn't he? David Lee was not a great shooter, and he's a guy that played in the league for a while without being a great shooter. Okay. He's the one that's good. That's a good counter to that because he's a guy that played in the league for a while that was not a particularly good shooter. But those other guys could all shoot it. 
And those are my college years, so I'll say what yeah, Hayes yeah, always yeah, says. Yeah, those he, are fuzzy. Yeah, yeah, but that, but he could. He was not a great. He was a good player. Yeah, but he was not a good shooter. Okay. I I never figured out if he was left handed or right handed. Remember he shoot him? We do free throws one way, and and so, but but for me, Colin Castleton, I'd love to see him make the league. I think he's gonna. I think he'll get some time in Europe. I think he'll be able to play pro basketball. There's a lot. Oh, yeah. Look, there's a lot of leagues. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of. There's a ton of leagues in Europe. Some better than others. And I think he'll play basketball for a living for a long time if he chooses to do so. But I'd be surprised. And could he could he wind up on the end of someone's bench because of his work ethic and he's a good post guy to go against in practice? Sure, he could. He's got good moves around the basket. But for so I'm not saying he'll never be on a roster. But for him to impact the NBA at all, I'd be surprised. I, I just can't imagine that he could ever impact the National Basketball Association. So we'll see. All right, we're live at the uh, 37th annual International Auto Show here at uh, the Prime Osborne Convention Center. We come back. Uh, our friend Alan Verlander from Airstream Ventures will join us, tell us all about uh, the auto show, their involvement in it, and what to expect. That's next. Stay with us. The Cars Today on Old Rock Thursday. Normally it's me who's dancing and singing, but today it's Hayes Carline. I love this song. This is one of the greatest music videos ever made. I figured you'd be some, some happy video talk for yeah, you today. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, the Cars really embraced it. This was yeah. their crowning achievement, this video. Well, well, you might go. think. Go YouTube it. Sounds like You'll a plan. You'll be the better for it. Don't do it during <laughs> our show, obviously. Right, right. Do it after, later. Yeah, after 1010XL goes uh, off the air live. Welcome back to the Frazier Show live here at the Prime Osborne Convention Center for the Jacksonville International Auto Show as we welcome in Alan Verlander, CEO of Airstream Ventures. Alan, thanks so much for joining us, and thanks Man, for having us here. Thank you. Did you ever think you'd be doing a live yeah, remote at an auto absolutely. show? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, the car shows while we play the cars. Look, we're ready. We're I always mean, prepared. We should have put you in a pickup truck. That's that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us, how did Airstream get involved with the auto show? And this is the 37th annual, and there's obviously already people here. So how popular is it? Yeah, you know, it's it's um, it's very popular. I mean, 37 years, that's yeah. a long time to be doing this, right? So o- over a year ago, I had several dealers approach and say, we want to kind of take it up a notch. We want to do something different with it. Would you be willing to um, to be our partner in this? And so, you know, we, we do sporting events or we do music festivals. Sure. So we kind of um, extrapolated all that together and, and put it amongst an auto show. And um, it's been a lot of fun. We've learned a lot. Um, there's, I mean, there was a line out the door. Yeah. Uh, and people were pushing to, to want to get in here. So I think it's, um, you know, I think it's a great thing for the city, obviously. I think people, and, and I love golf. I go to golf shows. I think people that I think people. I'm not a car guy, but I know people that are, and people that love automobiles and love cars. They can't wait for this thing, right? I mean, that, that's really true. It, I mean, we have been flooded over the last couple of weeks with emails and people wanting to know what models and makes and all that kind of stuff. So it is passionate, and I think the thing that we've tried to do this year is like for you, Frank. You're not a big auto guy. I'm not a big car or auto right. guy either, but I appreciate them. Sure, but I love events. Right. And so how do I marry that person that is um, that would appreciate cars, but also like to go have a glass of wine yeah, or right. take a bourbon or take their kids and go in the kids zone or uh, your one of your favorite uh, bands is playing here tomorrow night. Yeah, I heard. I Box. mean, Vox is Box playing here. Yeah. So what? how do you do a concert here? We had yeah. Love and Theft last night. So how do you marry all of that together into a, a great event that's kind of something for everybody? Any cars that have caught your eye so far? All of them? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you're an old classic, like 1950s, 60s, there's some really cool stuff in here. Um, but then these electric cars are really pretty pretty spectacular as well. Um, there is a line over there of cars that are about $300,000 and above. Yeah. That's the one that caught your eye in it. Yeah, yeah. it caught my eye and I kept walking. I thought I mean, it did. 
Alan, there's 18 manufacturers here. Right? Is, is that a standard? I mean, I mean, that's a lot. It's a lot of people are surprised that Jacksonville has so many manufacturers this year. Put it for example, the Orlando Auto Show, which happened in December, had 16. Okay. So we had two more than Orlando, and you would think, okay, Orlando's got to be a big show, right? And it is a big show. But I think what's happened is our dealer group here, the Jacksonville Automobile Dealer Association, they're a passionate bunch, and they're very connected. I don't think people – the one thing I've learned, the people don't – the auto industry does not get enough credit here in Jacksonville, Florida. What they've done for nonprofits, what they've done in advertising, what they've done to make the city different. We have a port. We have a lot of different things going on here, and these dealer groups are very passionate about showing off their products. And so um, we've gotten the entire board involved, and kudos to all of those guys um, and the, and the J, entire JADA because they've really jumped on board. They've called the manufacturers. They've done a lot of the hard work to make it a success. Is this a research-only type of convention, or can people actually purchase the vehicles that are here? Lauren? Anything's purchased. <laughs> Anything <laughs> can be bought. Everything's right, for right. sale. <laughs> ideally, ideally, you um, you're talking to the salespeople, you're getting the information, and then you go to the dealership and you purchase the car there. Okay. So, um, a lot of these people that that want to come and look, they want customized stuff and all that kind of stuff. So, um, that's what the dealers are hoping to get the information, and then they'll they'll mark it back out. To so, them. Frank walks up with his three hundred thousand yeah, dollars yeah. cash to that line of cars. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's we driving it out. Yeah. I think he's what, driving what, it out. Yeah. I'd <laughs> what I'd probably have to do is just. If I pull out my wallet, I'd probably have to make the $200,000 down payment. And, and then he'd have to tell Suzanne, right. honey, um, we're selling the house. Right. Yeah. And then some. Yeah. Uh, the, the, uh, you know, and I, and I wonder about this, too, and, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to position you as car guy, but, but, but you've been working with this group a long time when you put this on. Are electric vehicles where we're headed? I mean, is that, is that, what do the people in this industry tell you? I mean, that's certainly where it's headed, but yeah. I don't think it's, like, going to totally replace gas. I yeah. mean, I think there's always room for the gas car and I think and trucks. I think, um, you know, you're, you're seeing a little bit of, of everything, and I think you're seeing that along all industries, but especially the auto. The EV is really cool. I mean, when we were moving them in here uh, yesterday, they're so freaking quiet. You don't know they're coming, and you right. got to really, you know, you got to pay attention. So, But I, I don't think – Gas is, I don't think it's going to go away for a long time if it ever goes away. But electric is definitely the next phase of cars. I, I, and my buddy, our buddy, Billy Nimnick, who's, who's my closest friend in the car business, stays ahead of trends. Billy, because that's, that's his job to stay right. ahead of trends. But I'm going to ask him that because I got thinking about that because we prepared for the show today and you, you gave us kind of information. EVs are kind of, they are all the rage, aren't they? Well, I mean, you know, you look at the savings and the gas mileage yeah, and, yeah. and versus the, the plugging in, I think um, – you know, for those people that really want to do that math, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. But there are people that are passionate about fuel. Yeah. And there are pe I'll people bet. that are I'll passionate bet. about that. So Billy would know a lot better than, than yeah, me. Yeah. I just literally go to my truck and crank it and yeah, that's right. go. drive it to work. You well, know what I mean? Alan knows drive in reverse. <laughs> well, people, people think, I think, or they used to think of EVs as Priuses. And that was not enough for, I think, like people who wanted a pickup truck, let's say. But now that they have actual trucks that are totally electric, I think that's changing people's mindsets. Oh, you look at, you look at the electric trucks. I mean, the whole engine's not in the front. You lift up the hood, and it's a story storage unit right because everything's kind of in the center and so i think it's just it's a totally different um different concept yep. um and people people love it and i think you know where the world is with with being um you know economical and watching your money and the gas prices and all that i mean there are, there is a market out there for it tell us about the kids zone you want to race 
Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> we Two have the, the kids on? <laughs> we have the battery. We have the battery powered uh, cars that all different types and makes and models in there that kids can drive and um, you know battery testing and all that. So um, it's a lot of fun and, and there's a simulated car wash and you can get a passport and a driver's yeah, yeah, license yeah. and uh, we really thank um, our partners with that. The YMCA has sponsored that. It's, they're a great partner, Eric Mann and those guys. Um, so it should be a lot of fun for the kids. All right, tell me what else is going on while we have you here. Tell me some other things that Airstream's doing. I know you're you're in the event world. Tell we are in the event world. You know, it's exciting for us as as you know, we're in five different cities now. So yeah. we're the sports commissions for five different cities around the the really southeast. Um, and so we've landed some really big events for some of our cities. Unfortunately, they're not here in Jacksonville. Right. Um, but. That's what, what we get paid what are to some do. Of, what are some so, of them? Uh, so you're a ping pong player? You ever play ping pong? Love ping pong. So um, Charleston, West Virginia is the city that we represent. And so we just brought the, the Pan Am games uh, for ping pong to Charleston, which is 6,000 people coming to play. Um, and then we're going to make a big announcement um, next week up there about a huge event that we just got word that we landed uh, yesterday. So um, a lot of fun stuff. But then Spartan Race, we talked about That's Spartan here. on mm-hmm. this event. That's here next weekend. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of good, a lot of events, um, and it's fun to see it all coming out of COVID, um, and people are full bore on it. So yeah, we, we're, we're, we're staying busy, and we're going to do a music festival. we got some things in the works on that. Yeah. So um, Airstream's plenty busy. Absolutely. And tonight is ladies' night. You coming? I'm already here. <laughs> good answer it is answer. you know what that that was part of the deal is is let's <laughs> let's create these small small and um different theme nights and mm-hmm. so tonight's ladies night kennedy uh, grayson's done an amazing job of organizing that and we've got about 10 vendors that are coming in here um that are geared towards ladies sorry guys um and um it should be a lot of fun. Megan Bush is going to speak on behalf of the auto industry as a female yeah, owner. Yeah. Um, and so I think it should be a lot of fun. We got uh, uh, hopefully a couple hundred ladies that are going to come out. I saw Rethreaded. We're a doing partner. wine, yeah. and re- everything's benefiting Rethreaded. We got all the different wines. You like wine, don't you? I sure do. I know you do. And then. Um, <laughs> Again, that's <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was a great moment right there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hesitate. Did I, I? No, no. And then there's all kind of bourbon tastings and, and vodka oh, tastings okay. and all kinds of stuff. So. If you, if you want to come out, you're a lady, you're driving around listening to this, um, come out. Yeah. It's supporting a good cause, and you get a little fun, too. It's awesome. What's the fastest you've ever driven down JTV? <laughs> well, there used to be a toll. You remember yeah, back right. in the day? Um, and we left the toll, and I think I got my uh, Pontiac Sunbird. Oh, the uh, Sunbird. Uh, the, the, <laughs> I think I wanted to get it up over 100. So I think I did about 101. Well, and I'm still here, but it yeah. didn't blow up. Right? Let me just say this. The, uh, on JTB, <laughs> since you brought it up, well, the motorcycle guys are out today, okay? Just yeah. case, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you've been on JTB. Uh, before we let you go, pitchers and catchers, uh, the, uh, do the Dodgers, can the Dodgers afford to compete this year? You know, here's I mean, what I've told I mean, people. Every, all of my Dodger buddies are we're so nervous because it's not like going to be the same team that it's been in yeah, a long it's time. Yeah, it's be hard for you. I hope you all can, fall, I hope you can f- fill the payroll. Yeah, well, okay. I think they're counting pennies. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. they're, they're getting that close. I don't know. I think there's so much movement nowadays in baseball. I mean, we all follow it, and yeah. it's going to be um, – it's going to be an exciting year. I mean, that, that's for sure. But, yeah, we'll see. Maybe I, I've thought going in the last couple of years the Dodgers are a shoe-in, and they haven't, yeah. or they did a couple of years ago. So this year I'm not thinking that. So maybe reverse psychology yeah, yeah, wins out. I mean, with the Mets spending all that money, you guys are just paupers at 300 mil or whatever hey, you are now, I mean, right? we had a pitching staff like they had and couldn't win it. That's right. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Hicken's going to jinx them, yeah, and, that's and right. it'll there be over. Uh, Alan Verlander <laughs> from Airstream Ventures. Congratulations on this. It looks like a fun event, so thanks for having us out. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being out here. We'll take a break. More in a moment. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. 
Let the good times roll. Let them make you a clown. We're glad you're with us. We are at the uh, 37th Annual Jacksonville International Auto Show. It's an old rock Thursday. See how clever I am? Crafty. My cleverness, my cleverness probably never ceases to amaze it, when I'm going to guess. The cars today on Old Rock Thursday. I did say this when I said, okay, let's do the cars. And I thought, shame on us for not doing them more often because they're a great band. They're, they're, I mean, the cars are a great band. So Pretty so, sure they're in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, they are, and they are absolutely in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Better believe they are. Um, I'm going to ask Gibby to pull up something. He used it in his uh, updates earlier about um, – uh, Anthony Richardson, Tony Pauline, Gibby, he was on with Mike today, correct? We're on Jaguars today, correct? Yeah. And we have it. And so this is this is Tony Pauline, one of the one of the good, obviously draft analysts, been around for a long, long time. This is him commenting to Mike about Florida Gators quarterback Anthony Richardson. If I was making the call, I would not draft Anthony Richardson in the first three rounds because he is so unpolished. He's going to need so much work. You know, there are times when he's at the top of the, his game, and you, he just wows you. He just blows you away with some magnificent plays and some athleticism. But those are far and few between because he stares down the primary target. He's all over the place with throws. I think the Florida State game, he completed 30% of his passes. You can't do that. He just needs so much work. Do I think he's going to go top 10? I, I think there's no way he goes top 10. Uh, just like I thought there was no way Malik Willis and, and Kenny Pickett were going to go top 10 last year. Tony Pauline, his comments about the the draft. Okay, he 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 says something different, differently than or has a different look at it than everybody else. He's looking at the lack of production, and the and the flaws in his game, and overlooking the traits. The traits would have everybody thinking he's going to the top ten. Now he said, "There's no way he goes in the top 10. Well, well, does that mean he's not going in the first round, or does that just mean he's going to go? He thinks he's going to go thirteenth. You know, I'm not. I'm not sure where he is on that. Mike did a good job of that interview, but it does big beg the question now. It begs the question for me: Is there a chance he does a real slide because of because people are going to look at the percentage and the and the quarterback stuff, or is he? Do you agree he's destined for the top ten? What do you think? Oh, I think he could slide absolutely. I mean, I. I wouldn't put my career on him, I can tell you that. If I was running one of these clubs, uh, now I, would I not take him until the third round? You know, that seems a little extreme, you know, based on the traits. You know, if I'm sitting there in the late second round, and let's just say I'm the Vikings, you know, and, and I'm sitting there with a, a late second round pick, I just won 13 games with Kirk Cousins, but I don't really know if he's going to be my quarterback two years from now. Maybe I take Anthony Richardson there. I let him sit behind Kirk Cousins for a year with the expectation of he's absolutely redshirting uh, and, and we're not expecting him to play. And hopefully, you know, Cousins is, is active for every game. You know, that would make some sense. But, I mean, if, if I was the Carolina Panthers, and, you know, we've seen, we talked about Todd McShay's mock yesterday. I mean, I think you should have your head examined to take him at nine. I mean, I, I just think you've got to have such faith in your coaching staff to take him at nine where he is. I, I, I just I agree with a lot of, of what Tony is saying. He just needs so much time, and when you take a player in the top ten, it is so hard to sit them. Uh, and you've got to have just such dedication to, uh, to your process there. I, so – I think uh, I think I I don't see him sliding beyond mid to late second, 
my guess is he probably does go late first round because they'll probably be a team that gets a little bit desperate, you know, when they're on the clock and, and they see what the quarterback board looks like. And, and we've talked about how many teams need an upgrade there. But I'm more he won't go in the first round than he'll go in the top ten. It's wild because when you look at all these mock drafts, he's obviously being projected that high time and time again by multiple different people. So you kind of wonder, are, are those draft Knicks hearing that from teams? Or is that just them saying there's so many quarterback needy teams, I'm just going to plug and play these quarterbacks? The thing to me is Jalen Hurts did not go until the second round, and he had over 65% completion percentage in college. Anthony Richardson, at the his best year had a 53% completion percentage and we're saying going much higher than Jalen Hurts just because he's got the size uh, that's where I just don't know that when you watch the film like Tony Pauline was saying I'm, I'm in agreement with him there's a lot left to be desired as far as what you need in the NFL and that is reading defenses here's where I where I am and I thought a lot about this today and, and we've talked about AR uh, to ad nauseum probably but I, I, I and I want to be wrong about this Again, I don't know him. I met him one time at the SEC Media Days, and I was overwhelmingly impressed with his dignity and his humility and uh, his respectfulness. I really liked him, and that's everything I'd heard about him. We know Denny very well. Denny's a regular on our show in football season and on our radio station, and Denny thinks so much of him as a kid. And he's one of Denny's guys, and I'm always rooting for Denny's guys because of how I feel about Denny. Um, but I'm also paid to be honest, and, and, and I have a responsibility to be honest. My gut tells me he is not going to be a great NFL quarterback. That doesn't mean he won't play some in the league. That doesn't mean he won't start for someone somewhere along the line. My gut tells me it is so playing quarterback. There are so many decision-making things. There's so much. There's such an inherent need for consistency and accuracy that my fear is he won't get there. Now I want to be wrong about that. I want him to be a great player in the NFL. But I and I and I and I would love to come on here in three years and he's won Rookie of the Year and MVP and a Super Bowl and everybody says that was the dumbest comment you ever made and I'd love to be and which is saying something by the way I, I would love for that to be the dumbest <laughs> comment I ever made but I don't sense my gut doesn't tell me he will be a terrific quarterback now let me as far as track record goes by the way I thought Christian Ponder was going to be a fantastic quarterback okay I can tell you guys that I thought had all the stuff. And it never panned out. I can tell you guys that I didn't think we were going to be great and turned out to be pretty good. I, my, I've thought about this and thought about it and thought about it. I think he'll get drafted high. I'm rooting for him. My gut tells me he will not be a great NFL quarterback. That's my opinion sitting here today on February 16th. I, I think my guess is five years from now, Anthony Richardson is going to wish he had played one more year of college football, whether that's at Florida or yeah. transferring somewhere where maybe it's, you know, you get – a more established quarterback coach. Uh, it's got more of a track record of developing NFL talent. Um, but I think he could have really used the, the, the year, whether, again, whether that was at Florida or, or somewhere else in college football, because of how poor the decision-making process is and the tepid confidence he has in himself, which you can't look past. If I'm an NFL general manager, that Kentucky game would be really hard for me to look past. I mean, you just you can't melt down like that. You can't lose your confidence at the NFL level because then you're going to lose the belief of your teammates. And I, I admire the fact that he got up there and was honest and, and said, I missed a throw early, lost all my confidence. I, I, I get, and he, he seems like a terrific person. Um, 
but I just – you're putting your career on the line with these picks, particularly in the first round. That's really, as a general manager, that's the first thing people are going to look at when they evaluate how you've done. You can miss on a second-round pick, and no one says really anything. You miss on a first-round pick, and the sky is falling. And I just don't know why anyone would put their career on Anthony Richardson being ready in the, in the NFL. I, I, just, I just don't see how you could do it. We talked about the combine and, and how well he's going to do all the, at all the testing. I do wonder when it comes to the interview portion, when they ask him, why didn't you take off and run? We watched a lot of your film. You're an excellent runner, yet you didn't use that skill set a lot last season at Florida. Why not? I, I wonder what his answer is going to be, like, because I wanted to be drafted really high. Yeah, I, I'll, t- I'll give you what I think. The, and I've thought a lot, I've thought a lot about this because we watched him. You know, we watched the Florida guys every play and the quarterback even more so and go back. You know my answer to that, Lauren? I, he's certainly not – he doesn't lack courage. That is, you, you, you can't play out there the way he plays it. So it's not, it's not a fear – in my opinion, it's not fear of getting hurt. It's not that. I don't think it's, it's um, protecting himself from the NFL or for the NFL. I think Anthony lacks the knack of knowing when to and when not to. That, that's my take. In fairness, he's only a one-year starter. He only started one year in what? Did he start the, did he start the FSU game? Is that what? He started the Georgia game. The Georgia yeah. game. Sorry. So one year. That's right. One year and one game starter. So I just don't think he has an inherent. The great quarterbacks, it's incredible the knack. They're like the great point guards. The great point guards knows when knows they know when to no look pass. They know when to shoot rather than pass. They know when to pull it back out and, and run the run the offense again. They have point guards are the best example of a knack, aren't they? The guy in sports. Uh, now, well, I think quarterbacks are right there. The, the the knack to know when to tuck it and run, when that pocket's collapsing. I watch it with Trevor. Trevor's knack for it was way better this year than last year. I thought last year he looked like a guy that didn't have a great knack for it. This year he looked like he developed that knack pretty quickly. He, this is a guy that was a three-year starter in college and a really good one with a ring. And so I, I just – no coaching. Yeah, yeah, no coaching at the, at the, at the NFL yeah. level. But so for me, this is a – uh, for me, Hayes, I, I just, I, 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 I thought long and hard. Why didn't he run? Because he didn't. He wasn't sure when to. He wasn't instinctively sh- sure when he should run and when he shouldn't. That's my take on why he didn't run more. And I don't think he was a hundred percent, which again speaks to a whole other issue with Anthony Richardson that a club has to be comfortable with is his durability. He was injured two years ago in a very much part-time role. Uh, for basically a lot of the year. He was injured this year for a good part of the year. Um, Certainly nicked up. Yeah, I mean, he played through it. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, it's just I think you'd have to worry a little bit about is this a guy who every Wednesday, he's there he is on the injury report, limited, didn't practice. Here we are on Friday, Anthony Richards questionable again for the eighth straight week because we don't know if he's going to be able to play. You can't have that. You just to take a quarterback in the first round. You got to depend on they're going to be there, and it's again, it's unfortunate. And again, this is part of his decision process. I mean, you elected to leave early. Okay, well then this is going to be, uh, you know, a, 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 a this is going to be a blemish that you can't talk around. I mean, there the facts say you've never been able to play a college football season without lingering injury issues, 
why would I think that you're going to come into this league, play in a 17-game schedule, and have no injury issues? Why would – I mean, that's, that's, that's fantasy land. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It, it makes you wonder how he's going to fit in on teams. Would – We'll never see a, an NFL team use a two-quarterback system, right? Like one guy passes and one guy throws, or one guy runs. That would almost be the way the, the Gators did back in 2006. That would almost be the way you would use Anthony Richardson. But like I said, no NFL team is going to do that. It's too bad AR didn't stay uh, at Florida because he would have gotten a Range Rover, and I'm sure there are some <laughs> Range Rovers around well, here. he got a lot of money anyway. <laughs> no, I, I, I think the deal he got was a million dollars in NIL. But look, and, and, and by the way, if – if, you, if everybody of intelligence that you trust tells you you're going to the top 10, 15, 20 picks, which means you're about to become you a millionaire, go. you go. Yeah. And I, so I don't fault him. And it's my gut that someone's taking a chance. Someone's saying, listen, I know the knack is a concern. Because the two things, the, two, he's got two things he really does have going for him. Number one, all the traits. He is 6'4, he is 240. He has a cannon arm. He throws a beautiful spiral. He's fast and strong. He can outrun most quarterbacks in the league. He's got as big an arm as most quarterbacks in the league. He's got a tight spiral. That's the one thing he's got going for him. The second thing is, by all accounts, he really is a good dude. He works hard. He cares. He's a great teammate. He's got great character. If you can combine all those traits with all that good character and work ethic and good teammate, and nobody, there's no dissenting opinions on that now, that he is – by all accounts, he's all of those two things. So if you have all those two things, can you convince yourself that I can teach him the knack, that I can teach him to read defense, that I can teach him to, to, to be more instinctive? That's the, bet. That's the gamble, right? If i got a guy with all those traits, and in addition to those traits, not a, not a whiff of anything off-field negative, all positive, then I'm going to take the chance that I can teach him the football, the, 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 the smart stuff, the football stuff, the instinctive stuff. Because, by the way, he's also a bright kid. Okay, sometimes when guys don't, don't, have a, don't have a knack, you think, is it an intelligence issue? Not this cat. Is it from everything I talk to, not just Denny, everybody says he's extremely bright. He's an extremely good student. He's extremely smart. So it's not an intelligence thing. It's just the knack, just the knack of knowing how it's to do it. one of the most important things that you'll ever might be the play. most important yeah, i mean I, i'm gonna guess brock purdy other than being a good kid and is a smart kid has none of the traits right you don't go as low as he went if you have any traits if you have any traits at all you go in the fourth round right if you've been a successful college about the fifth round first round first pick of the sixth round he was the last pick of the draft so he must i'm assuming he had no traits right i'm assuming he ran a four eight i'm assuming he didn't bench press anything i'm assuming his arms average or, or he doesn't last that long but to your point, Lauren, he's got the knack of all knacks, which is why he's a good NFL quarterback, it appears. And that's the thing. I, I just I think you're I think you're gonna have to really this isn't just a, a gamble. This is it's to me to take him in the top ten is I think an irresponsible gamble. I mean and again it's just we just haven't seen enough yet. Um I I, I think he probably ends up going in the first round. I but I I will be surprised if it's that high. I just think at the end of the day, to convince yourself and, and to convince your team and convince your owner that this is the direction that you want the club to go. And if you take a quarterback in the first round, you are basically saying at some point, this is going to be our quarterback for at least two seasons. You've got to give them that. If you're going to invest that pick, then you've got to basically go in saying, and certainly if you take them in the top ten, that whether it's this year or next year, 
he, we're, he's going to get two full years as a starter. Well, if he's awful, then it's, you're now talking year three, four, five years down the line probably before you've recovered from that. I just don't, I, I just don't know that there's going to be a team that's going to take that risk. And, look, I, I hope they do. I hope Anthony Richardson yeah. has a great career. I, I think he's, he's, he has the potential to be one of the most electrifying players in the NFL. Buddy, I think he also has the potential to be a guy who plays in nine career NFL games before he's out of the league because it's just not something that he's good at doing. He's a great athlete, but is he a competent right. quarterback? And, here, and here's the, as we wrap this, here's the other interesting variable. Having said all of that, these really smart draft analysts, McShay, Kuyper, Dane Brugler, all have him going to that top 10 or top 15 maybe. Maybe he's not. You know what I mean? All of them. Every, and, and these are smart guys now. Now, mocks change a bunch. There will be 100 mocks between now and April. But it's, it's, it's interesting stuff, so we'll keep an eye on it. All right, we've got a lot more to talk about. A bill went in today. Governor Ron DeSantis uh, signed a bill that was approved uh, unanimously by both the House and the Senate that will change NIL in Florida, in the state of Florida. We'll discuss it after this. We're at the 37th annual Jacksonville International Auto Show. 18 different manufacturers, all kind of cars here. Electric vehicles are all the rage, but all kind of, wait till you see some of these. Come on down here. Uh, We'd love to have you do it. Pat Lauren's going to give away tickets in about 20 minutes or so for people that don't have it, but it's a, a wonderful time for people that love the world of automobiles, and we're happy to be here and telling you all about it here on this edition of the program. Frank Frangie, Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson with you on this Thursday, also brought to you by our Stanley Pool, the best pool company in the business. Since 1988, your stop, if you want a pool, that's an easy answer now, our friends at Stanley Pools. Uh, the Florida State Legislature uh, has agreed, Hayes, did you see the story, mm-hmm. to change the NIL deal uh, it's interesting. I mean, Billy Billy Napier was there. Uh, so were three or four of his players: Austin Barber, uh, Kingsley, Kingsley Egwukan, Jason uh, Marsh were there. Devin Moore was there, and I'm sure players from other schools as well. Mike Norvell was there. Mike yeah, Norvell Florida, was there. Florida so, State had a big presence. Too. So Mike Norvell and a lot of FSU players, Billy Napier, a lot of Florida players. Uh, this is a big deal. Essentially, what happened is it changed state law to be more consistent with what other teams are doing. In the past, you, a staffer could not be involved in it. You could not – did you know this? You could not, by law, wear something that conflicted with what your school wore. If you're a Jordan brand school, you could not get an NIL deal with Adidas. I had no idea that that was the case until I read about this today. But now the, now the staff can be involved is the big thing. Billy Napier, if he finds out um, somebody wants to give NIL dollars – he can now connect that to his quarterback, which he couldn't do in the past. And other schools have been able to do it. Some were doing it even if their state law didn't allow it. Now they can. I got a thought about this whole recruiting thing I'm going to get to in a minute. But let's start with the state law. Probably well overdue, but a good thing for all the teams in the state of Florida. Yeah, absolutely. Florida, uh, as a state, was at a competitive disadvantage by their own doing, uh, I think unintentionally, because they were sort of ahead of the game initially. And then when other states caught up with what Florida was doing, they then kind of even strengthened the policy. And, and Florida had to uh, counteract that, which they've, they've now done today. So, yeah, it puts, it puts our universities on, on more of a level playing field in terms of 
how uh, active they can be in NIL with their athletes. And, uh, and it removes a lot of liabilities uh, that were there as well uh, that I think will really benefit the Gators and the Knowles and, uh, and the institutions that, uh, you know, that, that participate in NIL. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great ruling. How often do you see unanimous support for something, which is this had in, in both house, in the House and the Senate? So, um, yeah, great thing for, for the state. And, uh, you know, again, now everybody, like, you know, the, the experts that we've talked to have told us, everybody kind of points that, you know, eye towards uh, Congress in, in Washington, D.C. over trying to establish a national NIL guideline that everybody can sort of view as, as the beacon for uh, how we're going to operate NIL. But for the time being, this should really help Florida and Florida State, Miami, and schools that are in uh, constant bidding wars and, uh, and, and constant massive investments in NIL. I totally agree. The, the head coach should be the facilitator of NIL deals if he wants to be and, and if he has time, and especially for those big ones. That's the, the player or that's the person that the player is going to look to most often. The one thing, the NCAA obviously had so much time to be able to kind of figure this all out and clearly did nothing, just sat back and did nothing. And so now in the state of Florida, we've had probably our head coaches having to lobby for law to, laws to be changed in our state when that should not be part of their jobs whatsoever. Now, and just to keep up with other teams. Correct, in other right. states. And because I got thinking about this whole NIL thing, and here's what I will tell you. I'm going to go just the opposite of what Greg Zanke said. Greg Zanke has said, he has said on the record, that he thinks we have to get rid of the early signing date. It's too taxing on the coaches to have to, to coach their team and still have a signing class ready for December. He wants to get rid of it and go back to February. Um, before I weigh in, do you agree with him or no? I mean, as a fan, I'd love to see it. Um, they need to just have it in August. There you go. There you go. You, you hit exactly what I was going to say. You agree with that? I do. Uh, right now, more than ever, 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 we need the August signing date. Who cares? Whatever, do whatever you want with December. Uh, I'd, I'd go August and then February. Do whatever you want in December. But you got because now more than ever with NIL dollars available, now there can be no conflict. You sign in August, then no NIL deals that come out in the fall, and, that, and a lot of them, by the way, do come around in the fall. It's when people are excited. Mm -hmm. Will thou go or more to go to the athletes who's already there, and that's what you need. And if you commit in August – then you are one of the athletes that now belongs to the team. Now you can get an NIL deal. I think more than ever before, we need an August signing date. Listen, kids are being offered earlier than ever. They're being offered in the ninth grade. The Colin That's Hurley kid from Trinity was offered by everyone. Wasn't he in the ninth grade when he got the offers? Absolutely. I mean, everyone's getting these offers. I say everyone. Many players, great players are getting offered very early on. If you can offer early on and you can commit early on, then you should be able to – eliminate the distraction from your senior year in high school. Now, what I don't want to see happen is all these reclassified guys leave high school like a year early. They're already leaving it a half a year early. Mm -hmm. I'd hate to see them leave an entire year early and all of a sudden that, 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 that ruins high school football or, or mars it. But you should be able to sign your letter of intent in August, and then you're done. You can say you're done if you commit, but it doesn't work that way. Sign your letter of intent in August. You know what else it does? It doesn't cost you players if your team struggles that year. 
I, I can I, I firmly convinced that there's guys leaning towards School X in August, probably would sign with School X in August, but if they wait it out, the team plays poorly and they go to School Y. You agree with that? Yeah, I think so. And 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 if that's going to affect a kid, then they just don't sign. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's right. You don't. Yeah, you don't. You're not mandated to sign. Yeah, but the but the reality is now more than ever we need an August signing date that the kid can be committed and locked into his school. You know what else? By the way, that does that keeps the school from pulling the offer if the kid plays badly. Right. That happens too now. Yeah, it protects the student athlete. Yeah, it protects the exactly. It keeps the school from pulling an offer if a kid plays badly. It's exactly what it does. So. So I, I, I think now more than ever, and, and, and look, I'm like you as a fan. I loved, I loved that first Wednesday in February. That was fantastic. Uh, or was it the second for a while? It was the first, right? It was first both. Wednesday okay. in February. Yeah. I loved the first Wednesday. I mean, we, I li- what a great day that was in radio. You know yeah. that? Because you never knew and you we waited. You know what I miss? What do I miss? The facts. The facts. I miss the facts received. And we the, should all- and the hotline. Yeah, the, the, the hot- <laughs> no, I really missed the hotline. The damn internet messed that thing up. I'm still mad about that internet. We, life got ruined when we came up with that damn internet. I wish we had never had that. But, uh, but, I, but I really do. I, we should have an August signing date more than ever before. And I think that would, that would benefit the teams that work the hardest and get out the earliest. Shouldn't you benefit the people that work the hardest in any industry? Shouldn't you? You, and you should. Would, and that would. Yeah, and I think, like you said, with NIL, I think that would be a a game changer because then once you've signed, now the windfall can happen if the school so chooses. One thing that I'll be interested to uh, ask Brett Hastings the next time he joins us for Sports and Courts. Which is is in about 10 minutes. Oh, is it? Yep, yep. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll just save it. <laughs> okay. Well, he's coming to do something else, but go ahead and okay. tell me. Well, what I'm curious about is let's say hypothetically that Florida and Billy Napier did do something wrong in the Jaden Rashada okay. NIL debacle. Okay. If the legislation then gets passed after that would have eliminated the infraction. Great question. Would he still be in trouble legally for it? I would think so because the, it was the law at the time. Were, yeah, we're at the time that the law said it. But it's a good question. Something. It's a good question. So, as a matter of fact, we'll do it. We're going to take a break. Uh, when he comes back, here's what Brent's going to talk about. Chris Beard was fired from Texas in connection with a domestic abuse case. The case was dropped. Does Beard have legal recourse now against Texas who fired him? That's our topic. Sports and Courts is next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Now time for Sports and Courts. Legal issues in the sports world with Brett Hastings from the Hastings Injury Law Firm. Hit back with Hastings. Brett Hastings joins us now. It is time for Sports and Courts. Brett, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. How about you guys? We are doing fantastic. Hey, look, it's uh, uh, we always tackle different issues. Uh, um, Issues that involve both the legalities of sports and the people in them. This is an interesting one. Chris Beard was fired. He was a former Texas Tech coach, roundly successful, got him to the Final Four. That got him the Texas job. Uh, They were very good, top five, top ten team. He was fired after allegations of of, uh, domestic misactivity. Um, uh, he, He claimed innocence. His accuser backed off afterwards. Um, nonetheless, he was uh, charged, fired. Now the charges have been dismissed. What happens now? Does he have legal recourse against Texas? What's the story here? He does have legal recourse. You know, obviously one of the things that we've talked a lot about in sports and courts are um, 
the different levels of proof, right? So when we talk about criminal, it's something's got to be proven beyond and to the exclusion of every reasonable doubt, right? Like 97, 98% proof level. In a civil context, you got to prove it's more likely than not a presumption, you know, a, a preponderance of the evidence. It's like 51%. Now, if you look in this case, one of the most important things is that the victim of this felony domestic was the way they charged it there, right? Was his fiance. The victim no longer wants to see prosecution, you know, to go forward. The prosecutor who, you know, by all accounts is actually very aggressive in regards to these types of cases. I can tell you when I was a prosecutor here, uh, the office in Jacksonville, currently under um, Melissa Nelson, going back to Harry Shorstein and Angela Corey, always took the position that if the victim, you know, these accusations and there was evidence to support it. And even if they changed, we still went forward to prosecute it here. This person's a very aggressive prosecutor. Now he says, okay, I don't think there's enough to prove it beyond and to the exclusion of a reasonable doubt. And clearly what Texas did was based on seeing this criminal prosecution to combat fight him. So yeah, he's got a way to push back with them contractually. What I think is going to be the most important piece of evidence, and at least just looking at the media reports and the writings, are there was a police officer affidavit. And in that affidavit, the victim, True, C-R-E-W, initially said that she was choked from behind, got to the point where she couldn't breathe. Now, the officers at the time did see visible signs of the altercation, saw there were abrasions to her face, her uh, legs, and other parts of her body. So... They saw some of those other corroborating facts. I don't think Texas would back down. I think this is something where he's not going to ever get the full amount of his contract. But the fact that uh, he wasn't, you know, that this prosecution didn't go forward is a positive for him as far as saying, hey, I've been improperly terminated or these allegations were, you know, false, what have you. I think what would really push later is, you know, what would the fiancé say? say I made it up and I lied because if she lies to officers right she could be the subject of a crime or did she just say hey listen at the end of the day I didn't want to see the prosecution go forward the allegations were true Brett if you were advising the Texas Athletic Department when this happened would you have advised them to keep Chris Beard suspended until something was decided in trial or through a trial or would you have advised them to fire him like they did uh you know, I, I would have to have had an, an in-depth conversation with law enforcement. I would have liked to have seen what, if any, evidence they had, you know, as it relates to it. Uh, if it was an absolutely clear, straightforward, uh, you know, then I would probably say that's enough to, be, to terminate the person. Um, you know, I think here they had an adequate basis. I'm not saying that uh, because this prosecution is going forward now that it's, you know, that all of a sudden... Texas is going to have to pay out this money and to do the other. I just think there's risk now. There's a there's a, essentially a factual dispute, right? So you can win a factual dispute and you can lose a factual dispute for each of the parties here. So what I think you'll see is if there hasn't already been some type of uh, arrangement, settlement, you know, what have you, that you'll see one that we won't hear about it going forward. But, you know, uh, depending on the severity of the facts, you know, if the facts are true and what the officers had put in the things, I would say you should be terminated. But 
I'm also very cognizant that, you know, in domestic relationships and other things, it is, you know, there are many times that victims are not truthful. And you wouldn't want to ruin somebody's career and turn it over for that. For me, physical proof of the injuries, cuts, scrapes, you know, bruising in and around necks, stuff like that, that would be the reasons that I would terminate somebody. Brett, I apologize because I'm throwing something at you that that is sort of breaking today. But did you have any thoughts on uh, Governor DeSantis and and the legislation unanimously passing NIL? Uh, It seems like uh, loosening in terms of restrictions. Uh, Billy Napier and Mike Norvell were there today uh, to participate in it in the signing. Uh, Any anything that that would strike you about about that? I think it was all a positive. This is one of the things that, you know, we had talked about on sports and courts a while back. The language, and I don't have it right here in front of me, from the, the, the last statute, right, basically was not allowing the universities to, to be a part of these collective deals that were out there. Now, it doesn't mean they're doing the deal, but it means that they can be a part of bringing sort of the parties together. That's what the changes were supposed to address, and I think that's just better. I Quite frankly, the language that everybody was pointing to in the prior statute um, really had an unintended effect. And I think once universities looked at it, they said, hey, we can't have involvement in this. That's what the state statute says. And I think really what they were trying to accomplish in the earlier uh, statute kind of failed. And they've tried to address it and make it better. Because what we've seen are there are different statutes throughout the country. And depending on how they've been phrased, I think all of the Florida schools were at a little bit of a disadvantage because of the phraseology before. So I think this will make it so they're uh, less, you know, they can can be a part of things and they can kind of know what's going on and it's going to be better for all involved. Brett Hastings checking in. I got one more thing. I'm going to let you go, but uh, great stuff on all of it. But I want to go back to something you said a minute ago about back to the Chris Beard thing. Let me ask you a question, and I'm, I'm going to mix ideas, but I want to ask your, your opinion as a – if you were representing someone, I want to go for a second, and I'm mixing issues here, so indulge me, but it's kind of something okay. that involves the Chris Beard thing a little bit. Remember okay. when Marcus, Sto- Marcus Stokes had his, had his scholarship pulled by Florida because he said, a, he said a racial word while singing a song in his car. Remember that? You, we all know that. Right. Okay? Right. And so, and so, so let me ask you this, and, and I thought about this. He was very. He, he he issued a statement and apologized on Twitter, and then was quiet ever since. He was advised to be quiet. Denny knows him, and they said, "Listen, let's, you made your apology. Let's let's kind of stay out of the news now." If I had been his attorney, okay, and stay with me on this because I want your opinion on this. If I had been Marcus's attorney or a representative or PR guy, I would have said more. By all accounts, he's supposed to be a really nice kid and not a racist. I would have been tempted to get to a microphone somehow or do a one-on-one with one of the TV guys or or something and say, listen, I just want to tell people this. I'm not a racist. I like hip-hop music. I got caught up in the music and I was singing the song and and the word was in the song. I should have been smart enough not to do that, and I wasn't, and I apologize. But that's not who I am, and you don't have to believe me. But I, I need to tell people I was a fan of the music and was singing the song, and I'm not a racist on any stretch. Yet, yet I think he was advised not to do this. And I'm not just talking about Marcus's case. I'm, I'm using him as an example. As a lawyer, 
would you get in front of it like like I think I would have done, or would you advise your client to to not talk of that? And just, and maybe it depends on who the client is. What's your read on that, okay. Brett? So if there's a like a criminal prosecution going on, like for Chris Beard, I would yeah. not get out and talk in front of it until I knew where the evidence was because that would be our primary focus. Good point. For you know, for Stokes, I would get out in front of it, right? I, I I told you, and I know when we were talking off air, I, it's just a super unfortunate whole circumstance. I have two seventeen-year-old boys, yeah. and you know, if I had a kid and his dream was to go play for Florida, should he have said the word? Absolutely not. Like, but you know, what are we doing, right? Like, what, what kind of culture are we living in where we take away this opportunity for this kid? Let him go make it right, right? Let him go talk like that. Let him go speak to people. What would right. the, what would everybody that was a minority in his his class that he would come in? What would they say and do? You know, I saw where Florida A and M, right? This fantastic, you know, uh, traditional uh, black school. They yeah. offered him a scholarship. Right. Okay, so I mean, I. I Totally agree with you. I feel bad, you know, for for this young man, you know. And then you look at, hey, like Florida couldn't even get a quarterback in there. And so if there was a young man and he had kind of followed that advice, you know, I think getting out to make it right because, you know, I saw it. None of us like that word, but I didn't right. see the intent in any way, shape, or form to hurt somebody else. I saw something going on culturally, the music, all of that other stuff, you know. And so. You know, we, we should be able to have discussions like that with young athletes and, and people that are going in playing and being together and become better as people instead of just we're going to take all this away from people when they make mistakes. You know, he didn't kill anybody. He didn't do anything horrible like we talk about on sports and courts. He used a word he should have never used, but he paid a sanction much higher than we see people who do bad things that, that don't yeah. even get have as large a loss. So I, I hate that. Yeah, and, and and my take all along was now if using that word reveals what's in your heart, well that's different. That's different. Okay, if it right. reveals uh, who you are in a negative way, that's different. But I just think if if it doesn't, I and again that would have been my advice, and I didn't know what your legal take on it was. Very good work today, Brett. That is sports and courts, Brett Hastings. And, I, and I'll leave Hastings you. I'll leave you yeah. with this. You know, since most of our listeners are in the thirty-five to fifty-five age, we are all glad that everything we said and did when we were no. 15 to 18 years old isn't out on the Internet and recorded, you know, and yeah, that's definitely. where these people live, and it's different. So have a yeah, good one. Yeah, no. uh, Brad, we appreciate it. Brad Hastings from the Hastings Injury Law Firm. I- I've been wanting to ask him that question about Marcus Stokes because, again, if, if indeed, by all accounts, that's what I hear, that Marcus is a good guy, that he just, he, would just, he just liked the music and he was singing along with the song, I wish somebody would advise, would have, or would advise him. Just say, listen, just so y'all know, I'm not, I'm not a racist. I like the song, I, I like the music, and I like listening to the music, and I was singing a song that I liked, and, and that's, and, and I, and I, again, and the, and by the way, the legal people and the PR people he has are smarter than I am. That's just my opinion, but I would. Does that make sense? The point. Sure. Yeah. He wasn't calling someone the racial slur. He was yeah. singing along with lyrics. To me, yeah. those are two totally different things. And I just wish he would have taken the time or been advised to take the time to share that. I, I guess that would be my point. Be advised to take the time to share that. I guess that was my point. All right, we'll take a break. One hour to go. We're live at the Auto Show. This is 10 Tennis Hill on 92.5 FM. Life's the same. Moving and stereo. Life's the same. Except for my shoes. 
nice. The car is on Old Rock Thursday. This is one I don't know very well. I'm gonna need a few minutes. <laughs> this is uh, this is this is the song when uh, good old uh, Phoebe Cates pops out of the pool in Fast Times at Richmond. Ah. Moving in stereo is what's called. Phoebe so I Kate. guess I do know the song. I just oh, you don't hear this one as often. Was Phoebe Cates was she in uh, Fast Times? A cameo. Washington? Yeah, Paris. Yeah. Was it? Was the? Uh, was it? Was Pivotal it, role, really. Was the bikini red? It wasn't red, was it? It was. Was, red. was all doggone? I'm, I'm guessing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's hotter, Phoebe Cates or Wendy Peppercorn? Phoebe Cates. Wendy Peppercorn. Or Peppercorn. From or from uh, from um, Sandlot. Sandlot. Oh, oh, Phoebe Cates. Yeah. Okay. Just was, curious. Who was the girl? In, what What was the name of the girl in Animal House? Uh, Pepper something. Yeah, something Mandy like Pepperidge. That. Mandy Pepperidge. How about that? Yeah. How about that? Too many you were peppers. close. Very yeah. close. All right, we are live here at the Jack's International Auto Show. This is the 37th <laughs> annual. We're here at the Prime Osborne Convention Center. And if you'd like a pair of VIP tickets to come Saturday and tomorrow as well, be caller number four right now. It's 641-1010. You will win that VIP pair of tickets. 641-1010. Lots of really good cars. And we just talked to Brett Hastings. He drives an EV. So certainly yeah, the electric vehicles are very popular. I love the EV. I'm going to start saying EV so I sound cool. Like I know what I'm talking <laughs> about. EV. Is that the light? What that is? That's electric. You are, by the way, you hey, already you have an that? EV, Frank. Did you know that? You, I do. I do you have You have one. an EV. It's in my garage. Correct. I, it's just considered right a golf cart. I, I have an EV. Okay. Which, Caroline, don't think you, I'm not cool. I got an EV. Did you realize that golf carts can be both EVs and gas powered? I did. Okay. I, did. I don't know what's better necessarily, but well, we the, see both all the time. There's a lot of courses. Where, because there's some undulation, they have gas-powered carts. Gotcha. If there's not much undulation, they're more likely to have electric Electric. Carts. All right, cool. there you go. The um, I'm going to go back to something you said earlier in the week. Talk about quarterbacks. And I thought about it. I think you're right. I think Hendon Hooker is going to be a really good pro. Because you know what? He's got knack. We talked about that knack. We talked about AR earlier. I mean, Hendon Hooker went to Virginia Tech and didn't do anything, and nobody paid much attention to him. He got to Tennessee. Josh Heupel, who's a really good coach, really good quarterback coach, didn't even pick him. He picked Joe Milton. Well, he didn't, he didn't even win the job. But you know something? He had that knack. And, and when, you have, when, when, it's, when you have knack more than traits, you don't win jobs because traits look good in practice, right? Traits look good in drills, passing drills and pass scale, and traits look great. Knack over traits doesn't show up until you're in a football game. Well, Hendon Hooker couldn't, couldn't – win the job in Tennessee until he got on the fo- until they started playing games. And then he was light years better than Joe Milton. I wonder if he might be a guy that really does sort of combine knack versus knack and some traits. I don't know how strong his arm is. What do you figure? Better than average arm. I would think. But not great arm. Yeah. Athletic, smart, tough, accurate. Lauren made the point the other day, I don't know what your exact words were, but essentially don't sleep on Hendon Hooker. Yeah, I think he was, might that, that be the, the third best quarterback in this class. I think and, he might too. And he, I mean, some people might like him more than C.J. Stroud. Yeah, I don't like him more than Stroud, for me personally. Sure. His, but I his, might like him better than the other two. His stats, so at Tennessee, 31 touchdowns, three picks his first year at Tennessee. Then this past season before he got hurt, 27 touchdowns and two picks. He was 37-3 and three last year, 27-2 and two this year. I mean, I mean – he doesn't get talked about nearly enough. And well, it's because of the knee injury. That's right. Yeah. And, and he and was probably headed and to New York. somebody's going to get a bargain yeah, that, because and, of it. And he was probably headed to New York before the knee injury. I don't know if he's going to win it, but he was probably headed to New York. And he might have won it. He might have. But, I, I I, mean, he's a guy, and I never thought about it until you brought it up. Lauren said it was either yesterday's show or the day before. Lauren said he might be the third best quarterback in the class. 
I think maybe he is. I think right. I think right now, if I'm if I'm the coach of team team that needs a quarterback, who, uh, take the Panthers. The Panthers. If I'm the Panthers, and and Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are off the board, which they will be, mm-hmm. and Anthony Richardson, Levis, and Hendon Hooker are all still there. Levis might not be. You don't at that point. You don't know. They could all be. They could, the two could be gone, or the two could not be gone. But let's say Young and Stroud are gone. And A.R. Levis are still there. And, of course, Hooker's still there. I might take Hooker. I, I, I think you're on to something. I, I, think, I am taking Hooker. I, I think I might. What about it? I mean, I, I might take him. I, might, I mean, I might take him. If the knee checks out and I have no reason to think it wouldn't, I, I, to me it's a no-brainer. I mean, the only reason that he has slipped is because, in my opinion, of the knee. I mean, he, he is stratospherically better as a quarterback than Levis and Richardson. I mean, I, I could easily buy a, a, the taking him over Stroud. Put Hendon Hooker in that offense where you get eight seconds to throw every time yeah. you drop back. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I think that a team and, – and I think Hendon Hooker will rise as we get closer to April 27th. Um, but, I, but I think a lot of it was the knee. He suffers it late in the year, and I think – people that break down the draft just immediately say, okay, you can forget about Hendon Hooker because he's not going to be able to do anything in the draft process. So well, well, who cares about that? I mean, again, we're going to see some ridiculous things at the Combine. Mm-hmm. That does not lead to all pros and pro yeah. bowls and championships. That's fun. It's entertaining. But it doesn't translate at that position to dominance in the league. And uh, so he's, you know, so he, it was easy to forget about Hendon Hooker. But I think once, it, as we get closer to April, to me, he'll be a prospect that we always see these guys that catch the momentum late. He'll be a catch the momentum late guy. And I bet you when we get to the final round of mock drafts in the days leading up to the draft, he'll be safely inside most people's top 25. We talked to Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl recently, and he made a point to say that they don't allow injured players normally, but Hendon Hooker is such a special guy and a special player that they allowed him to be able to be around all the coaches that were there and GMs and other players, obviously. That's a big deal when you have a guy who obviously has a ton of prospects come through there, and they don't normally do that. They made an exception just for Hendon Hooker. Yeah, and 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 and, and I think he's more than just a good player. He there's there's something special about him. I mean, he, he's a he's a special guy. You know, he's he's more than just a good. I mean, he and nobody would debate the fact that he's a special guy. And I like the pressure he had to take on. I mean, Tennessee mm-hmm. was yearning for success. That's a lot to live up to, uh, and to have the year he had, then to come back, have an even stronger year. Uh, to you beat know, Alabama yeah, for the first time since I mean, 2006? I, I think that uh, I think he's being undersold as well. Yeah, and like you said, it will be interesting to watch what happens over this draft process. With I assume that he'll be at the Combine, just not doing anything. I assume Correct. that he'll be meeting with the, the teams and everything. And so, yeah, I do expect him to rise. It, have we seen quarterbacks in the past, Hayes? rise because of the combine but flake out in the nfl i think Achilles smith was a combine right. warrior okay. uh, he was that ended up going second or third uh to cincinnati never did anything uh, i you know i think uh so yes i mean it, it certainly can happen and it's going to happen this time i mean it's there's 
you know, I, I think the camps of Levis and Richardson are yeah. banking on, you know, putting on such a show at the Combine. It's going to get people to forget about subpar play in the fall. And I just think these teams are too savvy to, uh, to you know, let that happen. Yeah, the reality is there's, there's always, again, Brock Purdy isn't the first guy to do it. There's guys that have come out of nowhere and become decent players. But there haven't been a lot at the quarterback position in the last 20 years. Back in the day, there were tons of them. Joe Montana went in the third round. Tom Brady went in the sixth round. We could name a bunch of guys. But of late, I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm going through all the I – mean, I mean, there's guys that – I guess Mike White turned out to be a pretty good player. I guess, obviously, Brock Purdy turned out to be a pretty good player. Can Dak you th- Prescott and Russell Wilson? Dak Prescott. Russ, Russ went in the third. When did Dak go? Fourth. Dak went, you know, that, that's two that are a little older guys, but – but not as many really of late. But I, um, we'll see. We'll see. I, um, Hendon Hooker's a cool story. I mean, he's a really cool story. And I'll tell you what, when, it might re- when you might really learn, let's see how good they are without him. Joe Milton is just okay. And he's the, he's the leading candidate to be the quarterback. I don't know if they got the, what's the guy, Nico? Nico the, um, I say I'm a leave I don't think that's how you He's the high it. school guy. Is there anybody else there of note? I don't think so. If there are, there's guys we haven't heard of, right? I mean, there's other Tennessee quarterbacks. So it'll it'll be interesting to see, uh, but I mean I got I just got thinking about that. Hendon Hooker will be a guy that that's really fun to watch. Other guys, and I'm thinking about guys that we've talked about forever. Um, um, Tyler Van Dyke, he's coming back to Miami. I'm not convinced anymore he's going to be a good pro quarterback. Are you? I yeah I don't know how you could be. It was a complete debacle yeah, I'm not, last I'm not, season. Yeah. So I mean yeah I now, think now I the whole thing was a disaster. Yeah, but he's got to have some blaming that he's I agree. the quarterback so I mean you know yeah it, it, this is a massively and Tyler Van Dyke's really gone from projected first rounder yep. to you had to go back or you weren't going to get picked right to if he has a huge year then he could certainly rise back up there but I mean so he's got you know in, in terms of you know athletes in this country with the most financially to gain or yeah, lose that's right. over the next 11 months uh, he would be very high on the list yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we all know Caleb Williams will be the top of this draft, even if he has a bad season. Yeah, he doesn't I, have to play another game. Yeah, yeah. Right. And, he could, think, and he's yeah. a freak show. He, the freak he, could, shows, just, he could say, yeah. I'm not playing. Yeah, yeah and he's, a, he's like Mahomes. He's the freak show. The freak shows yeah. don't come along very often. I, I, I think he's that. Um, and then there's guys that, like Drake May, who I'm not I'm not sold, not just because I lost a loser Monday based off of him, but in general, when I watch him, I'm not sold that he's going to be a good pro. God, I think he's going to be I a great pro. Now he's got to fill out a little bit. He's lean, but I think he's going to be a really good pro. I'm not as convinced on Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman just drives me as a little bit of a Sam Howell. Maybe it's because they have the same name. But do you think he's Sam small? Ha- Sam Hartman's smaller, and so that would be my concern. yeah, yeah. And, and Howell's not a big. You, I, I thought Sam Howell would be better. I guess. Is, by the way, is he the Commanders' quarterback moving forward? That's what they're saying. They, I mean, now, but well, they I, gotta, they, there's got to be somebody you say now, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think there's there. He will face a stiff competitor, would be my guess in training mm-hmm. camp. So I, that's what they're saying now, because obviously they can't yep. stick with wins. So who will be now on his? What will this be for him? Fourth team in four years for Carson Wentz, I think. Um, uh, I think so. I think yeah. he's going. What Eagles, Colts. Commander's new team, right? Right. Uh, so four and assuming he has a new team, yes. And I think he'll he'll somebody he'll be on a roster. He'll be on a roster right, yeah. if he wants to continue playing. But he's uh, only thirty. Yeah, isn't that wild? You know, else I thought be a good pro. I thought Jared Stidham would be a good pro. I mean, when he went from uh, was it Baylor to Auburn or Auburn to Baylor, 
Baylor at Auburn. Yes. Right? I thought – I remember thinking – Baylor, he was really good. Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. I remember, I mean, remember how good he was at Baylor? I, I thought – I mean, so it's, it's a hard league to play quarterback in. That's kind of the point. And, it, and you have to combine that knack with that ability. I mean, and it, it, there's just not many guys that have both. Don't forget about Bo Nix. Yeah, Bo, Bo, Bo Nix. Who had a much better season than any of us anticipated at Oregon. And, I, and I'm still curious of what he's going to become. Right. I, I'm still – because he's a talented guy. He just he just looks so bad in those some of those Georgia games we saw both with both teams. But he's a talented – I mean, it's hard, man. See, to me, that's the definition of why the SEC is so much better – than the Pac-12, in, in case you needed more evidence, other than the fact that the Florida Gators beat your champion. Right. Um, but uh, Bo Nix is a completely forgettable, disappointing player in the SEC. Right. He goes to the Pac-12 and becomes, like, one of the greatest quarterbacks that we've seen in that conference in the last few years. After failing in game one against an SEC team again. Right. Now, albeit the elite SEC yeah. team. But no, you, for the you, anti-Gators, yes, we understand that Florida lost to Oregon State, but that was without a qu- yeah, the quarterback yeah. and many other players. Yeah, but the point still is, Hayes' point is right. Hayes isn't saying the, the Gators are great. Right. Hayes is saying the Gators aren't very good, but they beat right. your champion. That, that, I think you, you could have said the same thing about Mississippi State. That's your point. It's not, it's not how good the Gators are. It's just the fact that you, your champion lost to a, to a middle-of-the-pack SEC team. Anyway, the whole thing's interesting to me. I'll be interested to see where the whole thing goes. We'll take a break. Uh, there's some rules stuff going on in the NFL. The tush push. They're calling it. I love that. The tush push. <laughs> I never heard it called that before. I did, I miss the, did I miss the memo on it was called the tush push? I had missed it as well. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Alvin Kamara in the news as well. Got a lot more to do. Jim Bob Cooter could be in the news. Let's talk some football after this. Hey, welcome back to the program. Cars, old rock Thursday. You enjoyed the cars, haven't you? I have. I've really enjoyed it. like the cars a lot. Okay. You didn't get to one of the songs, though, that I really uh, like. There's called. two songs left. Is there? Right. Right. Then I'll refrain. There's like, one like, song left. Yeah, okay, the, well, I mean, this one and then oh, another oh, one. Oh, I see. Okay, so <laughs> You've got one more chance, then. Just making sure we weren't going long today. Okay, we weren't going long, but I said it. i got to get to Ladies Night here I know at the you auto do. show. I know you do. Um, the uh, Boy, Alan Kamara got charged. You see that? I did. It's uh, not good for the New Orleans Saints. So is it – he got, it was a fight in an elevator? Something like that. Like it, Basically, I think the complaint is that he and some of his buddies jumped a guy and uh, beat him you know, pretty significantly. Yeah, yeah. So. Not just charged because the grand jury today indicted he and three others. So I think he, that, he had already been charged. Yeah, he'd already been that. charged. So this means that the it's, yeah. it's going to go to trial. Yeah, wow. Unless I guess they're able to reach some sort of agreement in advance. Well, yeah, but I mean, if it's, it's a criminal case, I mean, so it has nothing—it's not a civil case that you can. And I guess you could plea, but right. wow, uh, a Clark County grand jury. I'm reading from the AP story. <clears throat> a Clark County grand jury has indicted Alvin Kamara and or Kamara on three and three others on an alleged beating at a night Las Vegas nightclub. A uh, Kamara, Chris Lamons, who's a cornerback for the Bengals. And two other men face criminal charges connected to the incident outside of a strip nightclub on February 5th a year ago. Wow. They indicted all four men on charges of conspiracy to commit battery and battery in resulting in substantial bodily harm. The victim, Darnell Green, told Las Vegas Metro Police that he was waiting outside an elevator at a nightclub alongside a group of people, including the four suspects. When some elevator doors opened... Camara put his hand on the victim's chest to stop him from entering the elevator. According to police, after the victim pushed Camara's hand off his chest, Camara shoved him. 
before Lamons punched him and knocked him back against the wall. Um, blah, blah, blah. Wow. Yikes. And then it turned into a vicious beating, they say. They say Kamara, according to the lawsuit, Kamara chased Green down the hall and proceeded to strike him multiple times until he was knocked to the ground. Wow. And at no point did Green ever hit him back. What's going to happen? Well, it, I, legally, I, I, you know, I, I don't really know how, how that'll go, but I would think from a league standpoint, you know, Alvin Kamara is going to miss significant time uh, in the 2023 season. I, it, it'll be interesting to see if this is at its conclusion by the time we get to the regular season. If it is, then uh, you know, it'll be easier for the league to you know, figure out the amount of games. Um, but I, I would imagine that this is going to give the New Orleans Saints some pause on Kamara's got a big contract. And, you know, I mean, again, they're another team that I think has to kind of ask itself, what are we doing now? They're, they're, they're staying in. They just restructured a contract a day or two ago of, of one of their higher priced guys. So obviously we know what they're going to do. They're going to stay in and, and try to win. Um, and I guess you can understand that with how bad the, the NFC South looks like it's going to be post-Tom Brady. But, uh, but I, I, again, it's paying a running back huge money in today's day and age. Everything's got to be perfect. And obviously now Alvin Kamara's situation is far from that. So I don't know. I, I, it'll be interesting to see how much the Saints stick with him uh, during this. Yeah, I would not be surprised if found guilty if he never plays in the league again. Never, huh? Well, because of the these accusations yeah. are, are pretty severe. And like Hayes was just saying, he's a running back in a league that is getting away from. Yeah, he's pretty good paying, running back, though. Yeah, paying running backs a lot of money. I don't, I don't, I'd be surprised if he didn't play again. But I do think he's going to miss some time. By the way, his, his attorney, in fairness now, says, quote, this is David Chestnut, his attorney. Uh, the state has avoided a contested preliminary hearing by indicting him. Uh, quote, you talk about Kamara, he intends to vigorously fight the allegations at trial as he was defending himself and others at the time of the incident. So he's claiming self-defense. If there's a camera showing him chasing a guy down, that's not self-defense. And so that's, that's, the, that's the challenge he fights. And you would think in Vegas – all this is probably on camera. Yeah, you I would, would imagine. You would think. So, yeah, you um, you would think. So um, he's twenty seven now. If it takes over a year, he'll be twenty eight. And yeah, that's right. I don't think it, this is one where it's it'll be interesting to see how the league handles this because if it isn't concluded, the league could say, "Well, we will wait and let him play in twenty twenty three, and then decide once." Once there's finality in the case, right. what his punishment's going to be. It'll be interesting to see how the league office handles this um, because while it, it seems the allegations are obviously very serious, it doesn't rise to the level of some other infractions that we've seen yeah, I agree recently. You know, this is not – this is violence against another man. Um, so it, I'll be curious in seeing, uh, you know, how the NFL goes about it. We'll see. Uh, the tush push, uh, they say now is uh, now now. There's reports that people expect the competition committee to eliminate it quickly. We said that the other day, didn't yep. we? Yep. That I think there's a belief that that it was not. So, and, we, and I don't want to reiterate everything we just said a, a day or two ago on the program, but I can't imagine they're going to allow that. 
Yeah, it's it's so, it's got to be so so it's how be legislated so, out. It's just it's unstoppable. So apparently, since two thousand and five, the NFL has allowed you to push a, a running back, and to, since two thousand and thirteen, college football has allowed it. So you now can push the you can't pull, but you can push them. The interesting thing is it's ne- it's it's been almost twenty years in the NFL, and almost ten years in college football, yet it's never been an issue. Isn't that funny that no one no one has done what the Eagles have decided to do? I, I think a lot of it was that coaches just since it was illegal for so long, I think coaches just sort of assumed they might still call this. Yeah, so we can't right. be egregious. With I agree. It. And it was just sort of a slippery slope all the way down to what it's become this season, which is two running backs get behind the quarterback, and they just basically run right into them and shove them. And, again, you have to look at, at some point you have to at least look at it from a defensive perspective. I, I understand the league and, and the college presidents, commissioners, they want points. Everybody wants points. But at some point, you have to look from a defensive perspective of how can you honestly expect us to stop this if it's fourth and a foot right? and I've got a 200 or sometimes 240-pound quarterback, but let's just for the sake of the argument say it's a 200-pound quarterback. I've got two guys that are that size that are immediately pushing. They're not even waiting to see right. is he stalemated. It is a initial and immediate push. You can't stop it. I mean, it's just you, you know, the, the steel curtain's not stopping that. Right. And so I think they've got to get it out. You shouldn't have something in the sport that is – indefensible so, that, that puts puts players at such a competitive disadvantage so the wording then let's just because i think you're right so the wording then if they do choose to pull the plug on it is uh one a, a player cannot push a, run, a ball carrier you can't push them that wouldn't you that i mean that would solve it i mean you, you can't say you can you can have one but not two i would say the wording will be you can't push because for the longest time you couldn't so uh, so i i mean that's you cannot push a ball carrier. I think if you're, and again, I think there's a gray area. I think if 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 you're a run, if you if you're an offensive lineman and you see your running back downfield, and he hits the linebacker or the safety, and there is an initial back and forth, I think the offensive lineman can come in and try to block the defender. But if he gets more of his guy than the defender, right. you allow that. To me, that's football. But the deliberate two hands. On the lower back, pushing, uh, when it's plain as day that that's the assignment on the play, that's not football. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how you'd word that part, though. You know, you can push in what – in what, and you're right. You can find ways to word it, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, like immediately on the down? Something. something. But they're, they're not they're – certainly – I think we can all agree they're not going to allow it to continue to look like it looks now. I, I, I don't think anybody debates. I hope debate. that that's the change. Yeah, that they I don't think anybody debates that. Jim Bob Cooter's a hot guy now, huh? He is. He's a hot candidate. He's a uh, he's a guy that the Jaguars use in the in the press box, or in, along with uh, Press Taylor to to work on the game plan. While Mike McCoy and Chris Peterson are down on the field, if they lose him, I wonder how that affects them. I mean, again, they he, it was important to have him. Doug really likes Jim Bob. I wonder how that happens. Yeah, and and hopefully, you know, I mean, selfishly, uh, hopefully he'll he'll stay here. Yeah, I hope he does too. I hope nothing um, changes with anybody surrounding Trevor. I hope they get to stay another year. Yeah, but if he gets this opportunity to to be a, a coordinator for the Colts, then uh, yeah, it's it's a loss. Um, you know, I, I still think that 
if this is all the Jaguars ended up losing from the season that they had, you lose your receivers coach and you lose, you know, a passing game coordinator. Right. Uh, I think that's still pretty good. That's still a lot of continuity coming back. And and whoever fills the Jim Bob Cooter vacancy, right. there's going to be a lot of resumes pouring in for that. I mean, this is the opportunity with to work with Trevor Doug. and Doug. Uh, it's already built. Uh, I so mean, you think they'd fill that versus moving Mike McCoy kind of from quarterback's coach oh, to no, the passing game coordinator? Yeah, no, they're doing, they okay. want Mike McCoy. Mike McCoy is the one, I can tell you this, Mike McCoy is the coach on staff that works the closest with Trevor. They've developed a really good relationship. I'd be very surprised if that changes. I think that, that I think the belief is that worked. Mike McCoy working with Trevor worked. I, I don't, I'm not smart enough to know the inner workings of what that means. Do they watch tape together? Do they spend time, just the two of them? Is it drills and mechanics? We saw that in camp a lot. But, but there's a, a widely held belief that Mike McCoy working with Trevor works. I, I think there's a, there's a big, big belief in that. Yeah. I was just curious, since it feels like they have more in total surrounding yeah. Trevor between quarterbacks, coach, passing game coordinator, offensive coordinator, and head coach who calls the plays. There's a lot there. But I didn't know. So it sounds like they will replace the passing game coordinator. Yeah, that'd be my guess. So we'll see. And, and, and I'm glad Doug blocked. Press Taylor from, Me I mean, again, selfishly, yeah. uh, you know, I mean. Because it was just if, a lateral move. Yeah. If it's, yeah. if now, if it's obviously, you can't block it if right. it's to be a head coach. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the, the Jaguars have something cooking here. And y- you want anybody that had a hand in the success this season uh, within, re- you know, with players, it's different. Right. You got contracts and the cap and things like that. But, you know, with your coaching staff, you, you do whatever you want, uh, you know, and so I, I'm I'm glad that uh, that they're yeah me know, too they're trying to keep the band together uh, at least for one more year, which hopefully will be a very special year, and then you know the coordinators will both Press Taylor and Mike Caldwell will get head coaching opportunities. We'll take a break. When we come back, Lauren wraps the program with news and notes. Stay with us. Well done, Frank Frangie. According to Hayes Carline, you hit. Don't doubt me, Carline, yeah. with the one car to go. Song. Like, this wasn't going to be on there. A walk-off home run. Thank you very much. For you, <laughs> with magic by the card. Cool. Like, that wasn't going to be on Another there. outstanding music video from my youth. I am not sure I know this one either. You, you, I'll, you know, I'll, I would think any, any huh, I, I would thought when you heard these, you'd know them all. Maybe not no. before, but when you heard them, okay. I mean, if, if they've been on the radio, then I would have heard them. Any of them that wouldn't have made it to radio, I wouldn't have heard them. Okay, these are all made it to radio. Oh yeah, yeah everyone, every yeah. All, all, all eight of today's were all on radio. Mm-hmm. All right, well then I am just bad with '80s music. We'll leave it at that. All I know is I've been about about 12 minutes and 47 seconds ago. Carla goes, "Huh, huh. Yeah. you didn't play one, huh? You huh? Yeah. You played one, huh?" I there said, was about um, to be a fight here. I said, awesome. you, huh. I, very, I said, very, I said, very got, worried. We got about a, your I said, we got a song left. Yeah. Don't doubt me yet. Okay. Okay. Continue. You came through. Thank you very much. Please continue. Speaking of coming through, Max Homa is coming through at the Genesis so far. He is leading the golf tournament at seven under, followed by John Rahm at six under. Matt Kuchar and Nate Lashley at five under. Everyone wants to know where Tiger Tiger Woods is. He finished at one under. That would put him tied for 40th. Hayes, are you encouraged? I think you have to be encouraged. I mean, you look at uh, it, who Tiger Woods is, is tied with. Rory McIlroy, Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, uh, all obviously world-class players. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think considering it's his first event in a really long time since last summer, uh, I think uh, I think a one-under is, is a yeah. fine score, and uh, it'll be 
really interesting to see what he does tomorrow when he's got to get back out there uh, and go again. Again, the, the, the endurance and the stamina now is going to be such a big part of, of how we watch Tiger. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, but it's, it's a great first day. Um, again, if this was prime, and he finished one under. Yeah, right? finished one under. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if this was prime Tiger, you would be, you would say, this is typical Tiger Woods. He's going to put up his one under on Thursday. He's going to put up his three under on Friday. He's going to put up his five under on Saturday, and then he's going to put up his even on Sunday to coast to the win. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's good to see him out there and performing well, and and he's. He's well ahead of of many other players. Yeah, yeah. How about this? And I, and I don't, you know, I don't hang on to the hope with Tiger maybe as much as Hayes does. But he played the back first, right? So his last hole was number nine, right? Mm -hmm. On number nine, which is his 18th hole of the day, on a, what is the long day because he hadn't played. I don't think he played a full 18 in the practice round, even in the, in the pro am. He was playing with Rory and JT. His bomb out drove both of them. Oh, wait, wow. he, I don't think he's done for the day. Oh, then it's just on number nine. I then. think he's only – yeah, he's okay. through nine. Okay, then, okay. then, okay, then, on, then, <laughs> then on number nine, that is his yeah. ninth hole of the day, not the 18th. So on number nine, it's still his ninth hole of the day. Yeah. He outdrove both, out, out both of them. How about that? He's played with Rory and JT, by the way. That's great. Two bombers. He, okay. bur he birdied he's one, he's bogeyed four, and then birdied eight. Okay, so he's playing with two bombers now. Bombers. And he outdrove both of them on number nine. How about that? Yeah, I don't know why ESPN sent me a notification saying Tiger Woods finished the first round at one under, but yeah. that's either here or there. Yeah. Uh, but Frank, he's in good position. Yeah, he's we'll in see, good position We'll see so what he far. does on the yeah. back nine. Absolutely. It'll be fun to watch uh, as the round progresses. Frank, I know the answer to this question for you. Your current favorite player is John Rahm? Yeah, I, I think he's the best player in the world. And, Hayes, for you, who's your current favorite yeah, player? I, I Tiger Woods. I, I don't know if I have a favorite, okay, but, sure. be, but I think he's the best player in the world. My favorite player is whoever I have selected. <laughs> but, but, but I think John Rahm's the best player in the world. I, okay. I, I think, I mean, if I was favorite, I'd probably root for one of the local guys, you yep. know. But as far as who I think's the best player, I think he's the best player in the world. And, and, and obviously, Scotty Scheffler has become a great player. Rory's always a great player. Those three, as, as Jared Rice said yesterday, the three, they're the three top in the world golf rankings. They're the three top that would get the votes. I think Rom's best player in the world. I need to watch Full Swing because that's now. I did. I haven't watched and, it yet. And I, yeah, maybe today. I'll Is try. it one episode in? I no. I think they're letting people binge it. Is oh, my oh, so it's all so out there. I think okay. it's all, or at least a, a good bit of it is. So, um, but yeah, it's getting. It seems like on from the people right. that I see on Twitter, they're enjoying it, and uh, yeah, it should be uh, should be a lot of fun. Get us fired up for uh, what should be a yeah. outstanding golf. Season. Can't wait for the, can't wait for the golf season. By the way, Ricky Feller, who we talked about with Jared Rice, uh, wondering if he could have some resurgence before this player's championship, considering he won in 2015. He's at three under, so he finished uh, right now tied for 10th, shot a 68. Pretty good for Ricky Feller following that ace last week. That is. It's good to see. And uh, for some reason, He's a fun player he to was sort of being bandied about as a live guy. Last summer, remember that? I do remember that. And, yep, uh, remember everybody that. thought he was going. Yeah, and I'm glad that he is. Me too. Stuck it out on the PGA Tour and and is finding success because he's he's gone through some lean years since winning the Players. But it would be fantastic to see uh, Ricky Fowler have a career year in 2023. I'm telling you, when he won the Players, what, what did you say it was 15? 2015. When he won 15. I was out there. Normally, I don't go out on Sundays. Normally, I, normally Sunday's the day I watch on TV. Sure. I go out the other days. But I was out there for whatever reason. I was out there on Sunday, and I'm telling you, I was there for. The the end of the, the end of the round where he hit it stiff. Then that got him into the three way playoff, the aggregate playoff, 
which is 16, 17, and 18. He had it stiff. You know, you know on seven, I'm talking about 17. And the you know the Sunday pin placement, way right. Mm-hmm. And he had stiff again. And then he was on the playoff with Kisner, right back to 17, one whole playoff. It's hit his, I mean, he hit three. What did Jared tell us yesterday? 12 feet? Mm-hmm. Was it 12 feet was the total? Within 20 feet or something? Was it tw- I think 20 feet was the aggregate of the day. And, okay. he, and he hit all three of his within 12, I think well, he okay. said. How about that? It's crazy. I mean, three shots. And he went, I mean, he went right at it every time. It's amazing stuff. I remember being standing behind the hole for all three shots. All right, I want to get it to a little baseball. Frank, Rob Manfred questioned whether the Padres can sustain their huge payroll in a small market. And here's the stat that I found that shows just how much of a disparity there is in Major League Baseball. There was $3.7 billion spent in free agency this offseason. Seven teams spent $2.6 billion. How about that? $3.7 billion overall spent in the sport. Seven teams spent $2.6 billion. Well, that, that's, you know, and that proves it. I, that, that stat is a great stat, Fort Lauren. Let me give you another stat. I saw this the other day. Don't you out my stat. I'm I'm, no, I won't, I won't outstat you. That was a great stat. But let me give you one that goes with it. The, in the last, since 2000, okay? So, in two th- since Super Bowl since 2000, which is 23 Super Bowls, okay? Or whatever. Yeah. 12, 12 times... Listen to this step. The champion came from a market that was not a top 15 market. 12. Now, again, that's Pittsburgh, Green Bay. They're in there, you know, but Kansas City's in there with a couple of them. 12 times the champion came from a market that's not a top 12 market. Because they're counting Foxborough as Boston? No, that count, that's a top 12 market. Okay. The, this 12, no, that's a Boston. That, that doesn't count. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So 12 times came from one outside. How many, things, how many times in the World Series, how many times do you think the champions come from a market outside the top 15 market? Once. Three. Yeah, I was going to guess once. Three too. times. So Three. it's the Royals? The Kansas City did it. Um, I couldn't even tell you the other. Give me who would the other two be. Top 15 market. Um, I'm trying to think. I got it. The Royals would be the one. That's I, who I'm sure Hayes is at you who you were thinking yeah, of too. Yeah. I can't think. I have to look it up. But the point is three times – in 23 years or 22 years, yeah. his baseball champion gone to a team outside of a top 15 market 12 times has done it in the NFL. Yeah, it, there's a serious problem in that sport. And I, it sounded like Rob Manfred today was, or maybe he spoke yesterday, was willing to at least mention it, yeah. which I think is good that he, he's not turning a blind eye. But still, it, it, seems, it seems backwards. Yeah. I mean, in comparison you, to what we know as normal sports. Well, if you look at it right now, if you put it up on spot rack or whatever, the Mets are in the three hundred million range, and the Rays, Pirates, A's, those teams are in the seventy million range. If one team's spending three hundred, and another team's spending seventy, your your sports screwed up. There's no, there's no. That's the thesis statement. So it is. I totally it is. agree. Speaking of the A's. Manfred said that the focus has been on the possibility of a move to Las Vegas rather than solving ongoing infrastructure problems with Oakland. And that's what they need. They need to move. They, 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 uh, and I hate, that, I hate that there's not going to be the Oakland A's, but the reality is that team needs to move. Vegas will give them the whatever stadium. Give, you're the one that said Vegas. I wasn't even thinking about that. I was saying Charlotte and uh, oh, I think Montreal. Vegas, Vegas yeah, needs to happen. Yeah, I mean, you said that. If you're, a, if you're a professional franchise and you're not in Vegas, you're not doing it right. No, I hear you. I agree with you. And and I and I was thinking Nashville and Charlotte and Portland, but I think Vegas will. I think and Lauren, that's where they need to wind up. By the way, do you realize that would be the fourth city for the A's? Do you know that? Oh, I did not. Wow. The A's started in Philadelphia, went to Kansas City, 
than in our lifetimes. We were in Oakland the whole time, and now we're going to be going to Vegas. Speaking of baseball, yesterday First Coast defeated St. Joe's in the Walk-Off Charities High School Baseball Classic 16-5. to And then last night, Sandalwood defeated Panavidra 12-1. to Tonight at 7 p.m. first pitch, Yuli versus Riverside. Yeah, and I'll tell you this, the uh, the public schools in Duval County have stepped up in that tournament this year. They're really good. They are. In the championship round on Saturday, Sandalwood, Inglewood, um, First Coast, that's at least three of the six teams that made it are Stanton. Stanton. Yeah. So four so four of the six that made it to the championship round on Saturday are public schools here. Tammy Talley's uh smiling wherever she is right now. That's awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure she's gearing up to buy some Jason Aldean tickets to go on sale tomorrow morning. No question. At ten AM if she doesn't have them already. Are you getting them? Uh, Are you getting Jason Aldean tickets? So I've been spending a lot on concert tickets lately. Yeah. So I, I think that's one that I'm n- probably not going to go to. How much? Yeah. Will it cost uh, probably to with fees these days, probably close to like two hundred dollars. I a would person? guess a person. Yeah, for decent seats. How much you pay for Warren Beatty? Warren Ziders were twenty bucks each. Okay. Now with go. fees, I, the ticket price was twenty dollars. Okay. Fees were another twenty dollars per ticket. So okay. total, it was forty per person. Right. But the ticket itself should have been just twenty dollars. I don't blame Panavija Concert Hall. I blame uh, all the ticket sites and things like that. All right, SC Media Day's schedule came yes. out today, yes. let's July seventeenth through the twentieth in Nashville this summer. Let's go is right. Florida will be on Wednesday, and we'll share the day with share the day with Alabama, Arkansas, and Kentucky. So, Frank, I ask you, who will be there with Billy Napier? Uh, great question. Um, Hayes's guy. Uh, Graham, Graham, Graham Mertz will be there. Uh, in, in fact, oh, you got Range Rover going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got <laughs> Range Rover, and and I uh, the, here's the deal. I'm working tirelessly to get the car line one on one with Mertz, and I'm staying out of it, okay? Because that'll be an, that'll be an interview for the ages. Um, Graham, I want to I want to start this interview off with a softball. <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> <laughs> you know, you asked a, a serious answer to the question. They Pearsall, have no stars. Pearsall will be Pearsall? there. I'm trying okay. to think what veterans what veterans they have. Pearsall will be there. Jason Marshall? Yeah. They don't make veteran defense. Yeah, probably. Maybe Desmond Watson. I don't think so. I think he'd be dead. It'd be fun. It would be fun. I'm going to guess. Big meat. I'm going to guess Pearsall, Jason Marshall. Gosh. Graham Mertz. I mean, I mean, shame on him if they don't bring him. I mean, because you, I mean, would I, you take Montrell? You could. But, I, but I'm, a, I'm a big believer. I've said this before. All – all 14 teams should be mandated to bring the expected starting quarterback. Which now, Florida you know, at this point yeah, has. Yeah, I think all, all 14 teams should be – should, it's a media event. It's, it should not be a reward to guys who's a good soldier event. It should be bring the guys that the media care to talk to because the media want to talk to people that they believe the fans care to hear from. You, it's a fan event and it's a media event. And every team should bring a quarterback. I, I've always believed that you should bring a quarterback. So if you haven't announced your quarterback, you bring both. Well, I don't know if I do that. You only got three spots. I might. Le- if there's a legitimate quarterback competition where you really don't know, then I'd let that team off the hook. But every team where you kind of know the quarterback should bring the quarterback. I, I'm, I, and, and not just SEC. Big Ten, Pac-12, ACC, they should all bring the quarterback. If you haven't seen the schedule, it is LSU with Brian Kelly on Monday alongside Missouri's Eli Drinkwitz and Texas A&M's Jimbo Fisher. Tuesday, Auburn's Hugh Freeze, Georgia's Kirby Smart, Mississippi State's Zach Arnett. I think some people would have even forgotten who the Mississippi State head coach is at this point. Uh, And Vanderbilt's Clark Lee. I just went through Wednesday. It's Nick Saban, Sam Pittman, Billy Napier, and Bob – I mean, Mark Stoops, not Bob Stoops. And on Thursday, Lane Kiffin of Ole Miss, Shane Beamer from South Carolina, and Tennessee. 
Tennessee's Josh Heupel. They, they got them spread out. That's, good. That's a good week. That they do. Uh, by the way, we'll talk about this more tomorrow, but college baseball begins this weekend. I know. I love college baseball. Who doesn't Ab- love college baseball? Absolutely. All right, let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two-minute drill. Brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Blue, here's the bottom line. In basketball, the Knolls suck. The Gators suck. We all suck. So we're looking forward to college baseball, right? Isn't that where you are? I love it. Well, we are, but uh, I'm also in the moment. And today we've got uh, some exciting golf that's going on in Los Angeles. And then coming up in two hours and nine minutes, I got Boston Bruins hockey in Nashville against the Predators. So this Thursday, the 16th, is about as good as I could ask for. The, the 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 Bruins are like what like forty seven and two and three or something like that. Yeah, oh, but they've they, they had a ten day layoff and they've struggled to uh, put the puck in the net. They've scored uh, uh, four goals in two games and they're only one and one. So it's a big one tonight in Nashville. It's right off of Broadway. You should know all those I fans right now. We're getting all partied up and all that stuff. So going to be a tough place to get out of there with two points. That Palm, that steakhouse is right across the street from the, that arena, Rick. It's a fantastic arena. It's oh, exactly where it is. Yeah, I know right where it is. I, I didn't make it into the steakhouse. I, um, you know, I don't know what I had. It's great food, though, <laughs> uh, in, in Nashville. <laughs> yeah, you can get dizzy in Nashville. I don't think yeah, you can. About it. Yeah, yeah, you can. We all have, as a matter of fact. We yeah. all have, Rick. You're yeah. exactly right. Uh, what are we doing? We're talking golf tonight. What else we got coming up tonight? A little yeah, golf, but, little... yeah, we got a lot of golf uh, coming up here on the program. Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time last night on on quarterbacks, and I, I found it very interesting today uh, looking at free agency and, and where these quarterbacks are, are ranked regardless of what you think of them. It's just another example of just how important uh, it is right now in the National Football League to find the right quarterback. And on top of that, and I'm going to credit a listener who actually – sent me this and as you know I am old school in that I'll credit where I got something from but I was asked an incredible question I I thought a night ago when it came to Trevor Lawrence it was should the Jaguars give him the max in a year and a month or should they play him out in a rookie contract and try to get as many key pieces in to try to win a title in the next couple of years, I, I think it is absolutely fantastic because you can go either way with it, but it's important, and uh, I'm going to try to sound that out here coming up. I love it. I got an opinion on it, but I won't jump the gun. I'll make it give you an opinion tomorrow after you do it first tonight. Rick, All we right. appreciate it. Thank, thanks, buddy. Uh, Rick Beluga's into the night right now. It's a great question, and, uh, and it's something we can all delve. Let Rick, it's, Rick's, it's Rick's topic, and he'll do a great job with it. That comes up tonight in just a bit. do want to thank one more time the uh, folks at the uh, Jacksonville uh, International Auto Show for having us out. This place is people crawling all over the place here watching all these cars all weekend long. It goes till Sunday night. If you love cars and you want to see all the newest brands, man, they're beautiful. They're here at the Prime Osborne Convention Center. We're out of here. For Hayes, Lauren, and Gibby, I'm Frank Frangie. Don't go anywhere. Rick Ballou is next on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.